Oh, All right, guys, we are rolling. We got a podcast that's happening. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, so uh, small podcast tonight. Uh, we are going to issue one blanket apology for the behavior of our crew last week. Um, if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, it's okay. You don't have to. Uh, it's tough to listen to because we had a lot of crosstalk. So we had a lot of crosstalk because there was moonshine involved, three different flavors thereof. So Don't forget the really good... Uh I can't even remember what he was making now. That Christmas cheer. Oh no, those were mojitos. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Macklefresh no. made yeah. some really Macklefresh good mojitos. Was bringing in mojitos. I'm not blaming Macklefresh. I don't blame any one person because each person on their own and yeah. their own booze was fine. It was the combination. It was. It was the tasting. Yeah, it was the sampling. It was the world tour of booze that we took. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was uh, that had its that had its rough moments. The uh, so yeah tonight to my left is. Cam Vanderhorst and Nick DeVito and your humble narrator Phil Waters. One of the things we wanted to talk about tonight, because tomorrow Kevin Rosman launches his cross-country tour with his wife on the back of his recently acquired Goldwing, and you know that's a big bike. It's the biggest bike he's ever owned by far, and it's the right bike for a cross-country tour. Absolutely, Absolutely the right mm-hmm. bike for a cross-country tour. But it is one of the things you want to think about. If you're going to embark upon a 14-day journey on a motorcycle, and today we had some of our podcast listeners into you know here in the shop today who came in, these are folks who live uh, just outside of Detroit. They're podcast listeners. They came in to the shop to ride the new Zero SRF, and then while they were here, we laid some stickers on them and some other cool stuff, and made sure they all got to take a test ride on some bikes, and really made sure they got the full Cleveland Moto experience, but. They're on a nine-day trip. So that's a dad and son who, you know, dad's over 70. He's riding a Honda Shadow. And son's riding an FZ9. So FZ09. It's still a heck of a trip. It is a heck of a trip. And so they're going to be nine days. Nine days oh. on the road. And they're going, and they're mostly, they're not covering a ton of distance. They're not going cross-country. But they're going like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, going to some races here. They're going to be going to Finger Lakes. They're going to be going to Niagara Falls. So they're bouncing around to a lot of different events over the next nine days. So super fun and cool for yeah, them. Sounds like a yeah. good time. And they were loaded for bear, so they showed up. They didn't have any room for anything. Yeah. Like Dad bought a couple of T-shirts, and he's like, this is it. This is all I can buy. This is all I have room for. And so he was on a shadow uh, with bags deluxe, you know, top case, side, side bags. The FZ09 was fully loaded, so mm-hmm. they had, you know, top case and side bags on that too. So, yeah, super, super ready to go for all these guys. Uh, and Kevin's going out with a fully loaded Goldwing. And that's a tough thing because when I used to do cross-country travel, my thing was I had everything for every occasion. I really did. And I was overpacked. And I had way too much shit. So it made the bike hard to manage, made the bike hard to ride, made the bike less maneuverable, and it put a lot of stress on my tires, a lot of stress on my suspension. And it really did make the bike no fun. What, what kind of bike would that have been? So the first one that I did, uh, that I put big miles on, was an Alaska trip that I did on a 1987 Honda VFR Interceptor. Okay. So, and the guys I was riding with on this trip, there was one guy on a CBR 1000 that was also, you know, mid-80s. And then another guy on a uh, BMW GS100 GS. You know, GS100 designed for that. Mm-hmm. That's what it's built for. And then another guy that was touring with us that was on a big, like a Suzuki GS1100E that was fully set up as a road road okay. couch. So there's four bikes, and we had a sport bike that was a CBR1000, 
that was, you know, taller windshield, higher bars, and he was a more experienced long distance rider, and he'd like that bike. And we're <laughs> young guys, so you know that was a choice. I had a VFR 700 that you might as well have taken off a showroom floor. I mean, it was a, it was the way the bike came from the factory. Nothing had been changed on it, and when we started the trip, I was on two brand new tires mm-hmm. that were, you know, at the time Dunlop tires that were great for the bike and. I had a leather jacket, I had a full face helmet, I had several layers of clothing with me, I had soft saddlebags on the back, I had a soft tail pack, and I had a tank bag, and that was fucking it. And that was how I headed off to Alaska. Now I was 21 years old, so you can get away with that when you're 21 years old. So it makes a big difference, like that age factor and that being young compensates for a lot of comfort. You can put up with a lot of shit. Yeah, you really can. <laughs> right? And uh, yeah, so it really does. A 21-year-old guy can suffer a lot of shit. And it was that trip, and you know, I had just been in the military. I'd been out for only a few months, so I knew how to pack. I knew how to pack mm-hmm. for 48 days in the field. But so I didn't have a lot of duplicates. I didn't have a lot of pairs of pants. I didn't have a lot of that stuff. Because clothing can take up so much of your space. And it's really better to have a good pair of pants you can wear for just about everything. And then like a super light duty pair of shorts so that every third or fourth day you can wash those pants. Or if you you need to wash them, you can wash those and spend that day in your shorts while your pants are being washed. Or just don't wash your fucking pants. Because you can not wash pants. Pants can last... For months and months and months mm-hmm. without being washed. Jeans manufacturers will recommend that you don't wash them quite so often. Yeah, because it does it break them, them down and yeah. wears them out. Yeah. What was it? Uh, what was the news reporter that they? Uh, Anderson Cooper. Mm-hmm. I guess he like never washed his jeans. Oh, and they okay. did some kind of test. Yeah. They like put scraped a little bit off oh, his really? jeans and put it in the test tube, and yeah. I guess it was. Loads of human film. Evil. Yeah. Oh, loads oh of human film. Yeah. Right. Because he just did not wash right. his jeans. Like, For ever. my riding pants, when I have like. Cordura, you know, riding pants and stuff mm-hmm. like that, those will never get washed. Yeah. They go over something else. Right. But if I have uh, Kevlar reinforced jeans and stuff like that, those will maybe get washed once every 10 to 15 wearings. Mm-hmm. So because those are a more structured article of clothing. And I do understand that washing those a lot takes away their protection. Yeah. So if you've got something that's a Spectra Shield or a Kevlar reinforced, you know, Dragon Jeans is a brand name, but... Lord knows I've got, you know, six or eight different pair from different manufacturers. Yeah, the more you wash them, the more it breaks them down. And they don't they don't hold up the way they're supposed mm-hmm. to in a crash. I would hope they would hold up. <laughs> so that's the big thing is like don't get don't go heavy on the trousers. They take up tons of room. Yeah. Three pairs of underwear, because that's the idea, is you can wash a pair. You can wash both pairs while you're wearing one. Those two are drying out while your other two are going. Same with socks. I go for the big tall socks because I'm usually wearing some sort of a riding boot. Mm-hmm. So I go for the tall sock. It just works better with the boot, less chance of things pinching or cramping up. And then, yeah, I'll usually have the boots I'm wearing to ride in, and then I'll have another pair of, like, the equivalent of an aqua sock or a Merrill, you know, multi-purpose shoe. Yeah. So that when I'm on an off day or I just need to have my feet air out, I don't need to just sit somewhere and let my feet air out. I can still walk around and do things I need right. to do. Those are very small. They pack really light. But that's the biggest thing. And then it's about being comfortable and having your layers. You know, I don't care if it's 95 degrees out. You better have a long sleeve. You know, we call them rashers, you know, like a surfing rasher Mm -hmm. or a poly pro or something like that because 
a light colored white or silver light gray long sleeve shirt if it's 110 degrees out and there's that SPF 1000 you will love having a long sleeved white shirt in your bag like a white or silver shirt silver doesn't show dirt anywhere near as bad as white does mm. so you can kind of get away with it longer but if you get one of those that's made out of a bit of a spandex material or something like a polypro type thing, they do a really good job of regulating your body heat, your body temperature. You can also get the thing soaking wet, put it under your jacket, mm -hmm. and keep you cool all day. That's a good idea. So those are a real good thing. Bandanas are fantastic. Uh, they have the ones that have a little gel in them. You can get them wet. They stay cool. Put that around oh, your neck. Yep. They absorb the water. Yeah, those things are a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. Every truck stop, I think, has them. But you put it in your cooler or your ice water, and this thing triples in girth, mm -hmm. and then you tie it around your neck, and that thing will keep you, that will keep you cool on the hottest day. Having something cold around your neck is a big helper. So those are all things that I absolutely will not travel without. Here's our local uh, ambulance service out there, trying to go out and save lives, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody drove too fast and took too many chances. They did, as as happens <laughs> around here. The uh, I think it's really fun that uh, people will take the toiletries that they hope they're going to use, but you really end up only using a couple of items. And what do you really need? Your toothbrush. You need a toothbrush. And if you're going to be in any hotel ever, you're going to steal everything they have. Yep. There, right. Yeah. Take well, maybe, one travel size with you. Yeah. yeah. You're. Uh, take a fun size. That's a really good point. Just not taking anything that you can't pick up in the first hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not going to throw away something you, that you paid money for. If you for, really, exactly. really need it, you can buy it. Yeah, that's true. Probably and all like that a, small stuff like that, travel size shit, whatever. Yeah. You know what? I'm traveling. Body wash, shampoo, those are all the same item. <laughs> Toothpaste, same <laughs> thing. <laughs> same thing, exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, your shampoo, right. you're just, take, you're just yeah. taking like PTA baths, that's right? That's exactly right. Yeah, when you're on the road, if, you're, if you are lucky enough to be in a, a hotel for a night... Or and, and not just a campsite or something you've made into a campsite. Yeah, when you do end up at a trucker shower or something like that, you're really only going to want to have one product in there, and you're going to want to get in and get out and get it done. So, you know, that's a that's a big big thing. I was take, like, I was showering when we were at the uh, when we were at finish days. Yeah, and I was trying to like take like a 37 second shower and not <laughs> use up all the water in the <laughs> RV. It was like I showered like a college student showers yeah. or like the foul bachelor shower where it's just shampoo, ball sack, <laughs> water gets everything <laughs> else clean. That's exactly right, man. And there's a lot of stuff that says that's really the way you're supposed to do it. I yeah, really you know, hit the pink parts real quick. Even though like nobody's gonna smell you and everybody understands you're gonna smell right. Yep. Like even in my backpack, the one item I always carry in that backpack is a travel sized um, uh, deodorant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I feel better when I put deodorant on when absolutely. I get someplace on the bike. Yeah. Ab absolutely. And I, and I think on a bike you might be able to fit deodorant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that it's really small and it's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. I don't use deodorant ever. Like in my world, deodorant's not a thing I use. I don't have a problem. I'm not a smelly person. Mm -hmm. It's just the way I am. But that is one of those things that if you feel better about yourself, fucking rock on, yep. dude. I don't, you want to hit the Axe body spray? Absolutely. You do you, motherfucker. Uh, yeah, again, high school locker rooms. Yep. Just give, <laughs> yeah, and get out of there. Three hits, don't forget the undercarriage. Uh, <laughs> Ziploc bags are the fucking key to survival. Mm. And that is a big, big deal. Ziploc bags, that is just... That's the one time I will buy a, an actual name brand Ziploc bag. Mm -hmm. I will legitimately buy whatever the best quality name brand Ziploc is. That shit's magic. 
and it really is. Well, you you're don't want to ride. You don't want the cheap ones that yeah. when you try to open it, it <laughs> splits apart at the top, and you have to try to pry the zipper part open. And yeah, a good proper Ziploc bag. You're. I don't care. Every trip I've ever taken, I could leave in August in a 90 degree day. It's gonna rain on me mm-hmm. before I get to the Ohio line. That's just the way it works. So. Be aware, just just assume everything you own will get wet and pack everything in Ziploc. Roll all your stuff, military style, roll it. Roll your t-shirts, roll your socks, roll your underwear. It takes up way less room. Mm-hmm. And it does. And it's much more organized that way too. And if you've got a Ziploc bag with just socks in it, you know how many socks you have. That's, a, that's real easy to maintain your shit when you literally have your stuff in a bag. Good system, works really great. Uh, tools, take all your tools that you think you'll ever need Take a beach towel, roll them out on a beach towel, lay them out on a beach towel. Take everything that you can imagine that you'll need for the road and then start thinking about what tool can be done by any other tool you have. Mm. Because I bought a set of tire spoons years ago, but in the bottom of the tire spoon handles, these are Motion Pros, yep. there's an eight millimeter, a 10 millimeter, and a 13 millimeter box end wrench that's just stamped into mm-hmm. the handle of the spoon. So I'm gonna take spoons with me, Sure, and I'm gonna take an extra tube if I've got a tube tire bike. Hell, I will take an extra tube with me if I don't have a tube tire bike because tubes can go in anything. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, Motion Pro wrenches, their spoons have box and wrenches in them. And if you're smart, you can order, I'm a three spoon guy. I will take the extra spoon for the convenience of having three spoons to do a tire. I just think three spoons works better for me. Well, Motion Pro sells three different part numbers of spoons. Each part number has a different box and wrench built into the end of it. They know what's up. So, yeah. So, in three spoons, you can end up with, I think, six or seven sizes of box and wrenches. That's fucking handy as shit. And it lets you pull things out of your tool bag. Yeah. And, I mean, anything that's really... If you're talking like a... 10, 12, you said it was 8, 10, and 13 millimeter? Yeah, 8, 10, and 13 on the on the bottom of the one, and on the other one it's got a a, a 9 or something, but it's, yeah, it's between three wrenches, I've got all three yeah, sizes. There's nothing yeah. really that I can think of on that of that size yeah. on a bike that right. you're going to be doing on the right. side of the road that's going to require you to have a ton of torque. Exactly. So right. it's perfect. And these are all, these are all literally, they're six points, so yeah. they're going to give oh, you good power. Yeah, right? that's good. So that's great. It's so hard, you can't buy six point sockets or wrenches no it's hard anywhere yeah, right mm-hmm. yeah. I the had world to, uh, has gotten dumber not to get like too off topic but like uh i was and i like six points too because like if yeah. you if you clean something up and like if you paint your fasteners or yeah. coat your fasteners if you have a six point it doesn't knock the plating yeah. or the finish uh, oh, yeah. off that fastener. it works the right part of the of yeah the fastener right. right it doesn't work exactly. the corner where it's yeah. where it's super weak and uh i had to do a um a rear axle in uh I put new wheel bearings in Beth's Mustang. Okay. Yeah. And all four rear axles have this little eight millimeter um, bolt that's a pin that goes through the differential. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there's no clearance to get a socket on there. No. And it's tightened down. It's got red Loctite on it. Yep. It's tightened down. It's such a torque that a 12 if point you is use just going to slip around it. 12 point, it's going to yeah. be gone. Yeah. So I had to order a, um, a six point. And what's funny is, is that once I had the right tool, I was down underneath the car with like a rubber mallet ready to pound on this thing to loosen it. And as soon as I yanked on it with a six point, it loosened up like nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to, I didn't need any help doing it. 
had yeah. the jack handle under a... there with me as like a cheater bar. No, I didn't need it. Yeah. And it's like, it, I don't know. Now you've got to spend so much money to get a good set of six points. That was a, a box end wrench, six point box end wrench? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you were able to get, you had enough space to get the box end on yep. there? Oh, yeah. Just to loosen it. Right. And then you could, um, just to break it loose, and then you could uh, use the open end. But you didn't have quite enough clearance to get a, a socket, a socket yep. in there. There are a couple of different companies that make multi-bladed uh, screwdrivers mm -hmm. or multi-bitted screwdrivers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, that vessel, so that vessel company that I that manufactures oh, yeah. all the impactas that I use. So those are all JIS. I was about and, to say, they make the really good JIS. Yeah, they do. And so Vessel's the name of the company. They make a really, really nice, and one year I gave them out as Christmas presents to all the people that work here. They make a nice 6-bit or 8-bit hex driver that has all three sizes of JIS. I think two flathead bits. Mm -hmm. The actual driver itself comes out to, I think, 6 millimeter or something like right. that. And then there's another one that comes with it. So it all fits in its own handle. Uh -huh. So all the bits fit in its own handle, and it's got a built-in ratchet drive. So it's a really handy thing to have around. It's one of my favorite tools on the road because it's a luxury to have a ratchet-handled screwdriver. Yeah. I really yeah, like those, driver. too. Uh, yeah. Even the really cheap ones, uh, mm -hmm. the problem with those is they break eventually. They can't so, take the torque. So yeah. to yeah. have a really good one is perfect. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't been published yet, but I wrote an article for HD forums about JIS screwdrivers. Right. Um, because most carbureted Harleys are uh, Japanese carburetors. Yeah, they're all Keyans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... so and what's funny is, is that I will typically search in the forums for uh -huh. HD forums to see if, if like members have talked about it at any point. Yeah. And there was an embarrassment of riches of threats going. These screws are so soft, I keep stripping right. them. They're made of cheese. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, yeah. well, you're not doing anything wrong based on the information that you have. Ah, okay, based on the information you have, exactly. And uh, you can't blame people for when most people don't know JIS exists, right, yeah. and then you have a bike that's so American that I have yet to find a metric fastener anywhere on the bike. Yeah, except the carburetor. Except the carburetor. Right. The one thing that you will have a problem with. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it's a carburetor. Right. Right. Yeah, that is an item that having a JIS bit. It's obviously still going to work in any of your Phillips bit fasteners. It's mm -hmm. not going to not work. It's going to work. It's going to work fucking better. And that's a JS is always a pro tip for anybody who's going to be working on motorcycles or cars. You got to have JS. JS. If you're into old British stuff, you need Posi Drive too. Posi Drive as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One, once you use like a Posi Drive screwdriver, mm -hmm. you, well, Posi Drive or JIS, you start to wonder why Phillips exists. Well, and it's just the idea of that original spec was we could either make a device that has a torque sensor built into it so it only torques these bolts so tight that they don't damage mm -hmm. or we can just make the fuckers cam out and so it's free so you know we don't need to put a torque restrictor on the driver we can just manufacture an interface that will only take you know 12 foot pounds of torque and then it fucking flops out and just makes you know noise mm -hmm. so that's it so when you're looking at your toolkit any things that can do multiple things are super important so you just you yeah. carry instead of Phillips, you carry JIS with you. I don't carry any Phillips. There's no Phillips anywhere in my toolkit because mm -hmm. I don't work on 1960s Cadillacs. You know, so everything I work on on the side of the road is going to be JIS friendly. Here's a pro tip: if you are driving a 1960 Cadillac on one of these trips, yeah. bring Phillips screwdrivers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, good way to do it. And uh, you'll have the space too. Right, and <laughs> you can fit a whole roll cap right. in there. Yeah, and uh, pliers take up a lot of room because the whole design of pliers is they're they're very inefficient. Right. 
So it's good if you do have pliers in your tool roll, make sure your pliers can do more than one thing. So having those Nipex, uh, the Nipex oh, yeah. are fantastic. Like we said, scissors come in super handy. Yep. So if you don't have a pair of electrician scissors, those uh, van pliers, they, those things are a solid gold in the tool roll. You're going to need that shit. Uh, and you're broke down to the side of the road. Have at least 12 feet minimum of wire. I mean like 18 gauge wire. Why 18 gauge wire? Because if it's not going to move power from one part of your bike to your other other part of your bike at 30 amps, which you might have to do, yep. you can use it to tie shit up. And you can use it as a poor man's bungee strap or whatever. So having like an 18, a supply of 18 gauge wire just spooled up. And if you look in my tool bag, everything I have has doing at least two jobs. So I've got a Sharpie marker in there, but the Sharpie marker has got about 20 feet of e-tape uh, wrapped, wrapped around, around it. Yep. Okay. And I've got a another, I've got a, a small electrician screwdrivers for the really small stuff mm -hmm. that's very much like a pen shaped. And it's got about 40 feet of solder, 20 feet of solder wrapped around it. Yep. So that all these things are doing multiple jobs. Um, I do take chicken wire, like uh, like a safety wire. Safety type. wire. Yep. I take uh, stainless steel moose brand safety wire and I just have it spooled up. Um, that kind of stuff is invaluable. Uh, solderless shrink connectors. They're a match or, you know, low heat connectors. You can buy them on Amazon or whatever. These things are for splicing wires using a fucking lighter. Mm -hmm. That's great. And while you're at it, make sure you have a lighter. And you can get an assortment of them yeah. that'll fit in the space, same space a big lighter takes up. Absolutely. And get yourself a crackhead lighter. You know, those crackhead lighters, they're the turbo jet flame whatever. They they work in the wet. Yep. Like they will work when matches will not work. Or if work. it's a little bit windy out. Yeah. yeah don't trust trouble. yourself to a Zippo. Yeah. As a self-proclaimed Zippo enthusiast. I am yeah. too. And that's nice because your motorcycle has Zippo fuel in it, which is really mm -hmm. nice. You can reload your Zippo on your motorcycle fuel. It works great. It takes two, two more clicks to make it light and it burns a little smokier. But it's still the same. I think I still like the crackhead lighter because I appreciate that being able to use it as a torch. Yep. Being able to shrink heat wrap with it, do soldering with it. It puts a lot of heat in a very, very, you know, very small area. So they're pretty handy. They're cheap as chips too. Yeah. You can have a couple shit that shit running around. I know this doesn't make for great radio, but this was something I saw earlier today that just we need one of these driving around behind us anytime we go into Oh, the, the lift side. bed. Oh, that is a fully transforming pickup truck with about a $93,000 tool chest built into <laughs> it. The transformer, yeah, that's really what it is. So, yeah. It's, so so just, it's it's literally a pickup truck where oh the bed sides slide up stealthy. and there is a I mean, full, I mean, yeah, you can't yeah. tell from looking at it, but there is a full tool chest on either side of the bed. I think the bed might be a little narrower. Yeah, yeah, it looks a little, looks a little And odd. then the rear bumper pulls out and that's your bottom drawer with yeah. all of like your electric impacts and your drill and stuff in it. So in your, in your, uh, your going cross country bag, have two or three Silum light sticks. They never wear out. They're good forever. They don't expire. What are they? Silum light sticks. Crack them. Oh, you know, okay. raver glow yep. sticks? Yep. Yeah, raver glow sticks. Have a couple of them. They don't take up much room. They're pretty small. Have two or three of them in there. They, I have used these things 20 years after I bought them, and they wow. still work. The ones I got that I reappropriated when I was in the military, I still have a couple of those hanging around the house. The ultralight mil-spec, too bright for civilian use ones. They work, and they do work great. So it's going to give you eight hours of light. 
and that might be what you need when you're on the side of the road. But more importantly, it might be what keeps somebody from running into you when right. you're on the side That's of the true. road. Okay, the other thing that I've started carrying in my cross-country travel pack that I didn't carry before due to technology, little tiny lithium battery jump pack. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Those things are fucking gold, man. Uh, and if you've got one of the, if you've got a battery tender USB yeah. thing, you can recharge it off that. Absolutely. And they're all USB hookups. That's how you charge them up. Make sure if you're going to buy one, buy one, spend the extra 20 bucks to buy one that has the capacity of having high tension leads plugged into it. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't come with the, you know, the big heavy, you know, 12 gauge wire on it to be, act as a jump box, then it's probably just designed to charge your phone. That's not going to get you going on the side of the road. You need to have the circuit in there that is designed to jump start motorcycles or cars. That's a really good idea because even if you have like a fuel related issue, right. you're going to run your battery down Hell, trying to start your yes. bike. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you're on the side of the road and... I have or, used yeah. my little baby jump box. My new best fun tool I have is that little lithium NOCO mm -hmm. pack. And they're not joking. I have jumped a goddamn Mitsubishi diesel with it. Mm -hmm. And it's still, now this, the one I have is large, so it weighs about 12 ounces. It's it's fair, I mean, I, we're saying that, we're, I mean, this thing's got hundreds of amps of power, but it weighs 12 or 14 yeah. ounces. It's heavy. Well, it is heavy by these standards. Right. They make them much, much smaller. The one I bought is what I needed, so when I have to jump start a truck, it has a fighting chance. Right. It's remarkable. When I go to Baltimore to pick up Japanese vehicles, 75% of the time the batteries are dead. Yep. So they're not shipping these things out with a brand new battery in it. So I come, I show up with this little tiny pack when these guys that work there have these giant booster packs. I hook up this little thing, press the I know I'm making a bad decision button, <laughs> and everything lights up in the car and turn the key and it starts. Not only does it do that, but it'll charge your phone about 25 times. I was, I was going to yeah. say, you know, if you're on the side of the road um, trying to get in touch with people yeah. to get roadside assistance sure. or you use the flashlight on your phone, which yeah. runs the battery down. Yeah. Or bad signal. Or bad signal. Or you've been yeah. listening to music on your phone right. all day while you're riding and now you're at 12% and you're in BFE yeah. and yeah. you've got to wait for Having that extra lithium battery, having that pack there, and it has USB on it, it's amazing what in our world runs on USB power. Pretty much everything we've got runs on USB power, and this gives you a way to have a pretty healthy supply of it, mm -hmm. even when your batteries, the bike's battery is not cooperating with you, or maybe you just don't want to have the key on in your bike or be stealing power from your true. bike yeah. at night while you're enjoying your your time in your tent. So that, like that's a that's a real thing, and I've I've it's one of those things I'm willing to sacrifice a pound. Yeah, I'm willing to sacrifice a pound. To have that thing in my kit because I use it so much. Well, and also, like you said before, it's a it's a thing that does multiple things. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, you get good quality uh, the good quality Ziploc bags. I can tell you that if you need water, that can carry water to where you are, and if you need gas, they can carry gas to where you are. <laughs> and that's something most people don't think about is if yeah. you do have to I walk for gas, how that. are you going to bring it back? Right. Because if you've got shitty water bottles, they probably aren't going to bring the water back for you. If you've got a Camelback. You're probably not going to be able to carry much gas in it, but I can tell you, if you've got a good gallon Ziploc bag that you it'll used to have your underwear in, it'll carry a gallon of gas. Yeah. Uh, Ziploc bags are gas safe; mm -hmm. the good ones are. So that is a sneaky way to be able to purchase gas and get it back to your motorcycle if the person you're buying the gas from doesn't have a twelve dollar gas can you can buy. I'm just trying to visualize that. It's just kind of funny. Someone yeah. carrying like 
three little bubbles of gasoline. I watched somebody <laughs> desperately try to transfer gasoline out of one motorcycle yeah. into another motorcycle with a cup that they found on the side of the road. <laughs> and you know how long that cup lasted? About one fucking nanosecond. Was it like a styrofoam It wasn't cup really styrofoam, but it was like a, a McDonald's cup. Yeah. And so it was designed to break down in the environment, right. so it didn't really have anything going all the, for it. All the adhesive was right. just like, nope, And so this guy done. was like, okay, ready. And we were going to siphon gas out of my tank, you know, out of the petcock in my tank, into this cup and then pour it into his gas tank because mm -hmm. he was out of bone dry. No yeah. double secret reserve or nothing. And as soon as the gas hit the bottom of the cup, the cup just failed. And we, like dumbasses, we looked around for a long time trying to find something to put gas in to move it into his thing. We were joking about holding the motorcycle up above the other one <laughs> and just moving the fuel line over to it. Turns out we used a side panel, one of the side panels off mm. one of the bikes, and it was permanently destroyed because, of course, side panel on these bikes were plastic. Right. It just so happened his side panel would hold about a quart of gas. Mm -hmm. So we used a side panel to move gas around because we couldn't find something else to move gas around. And the tank on my bike had enough plumbing on it to keep us from just lifting the tank off the bike right. and carrying and holding the tank over his, which we've done that before too, is the portable four gallon gas supply of just taking the tank off your bike. Used to be tanks come off a bike real easy. You know, some of them didn't even need a wrench or a right. tool, just a rubber strap, lift the tank off and go give your buddy some gas. But now, I can tell you, most of my motorcycles, fuel-injected bikes, I'm not getting that gas tank no. off there without no. making a mess. So, yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah, so going through tools, real big part of the day. Uh, having all that shit, man, that stuff is gold when you're on the side of the road. And then, again, get all your tools together and weigh them. Like, understand what you're carrying. Understand the weight of you and your bike, especially if you have a passenger. So kind of know what your shit's going to mm -hmm. weigh. Because you will have to adjust your tire pressures when you read your owner's manual, the tire pressure it's going to give you is going to be for this motorcycle in its normal daily riding configuration. If you add 150 pounds to it, you may have to add 6 or 7 PSI yep. to keep that tire with the right contact patch. We have seen people, a guy stopped by today at the shop who's riding from Maryland, from Baltimore, Maryland, to San Francisco. And he's riding on a Piaggio MP3. Oof. Well, the trip has already cost him one rear tire. Yeah. Just in fucking miles. Mm -hmm. Because at higher speeds, tires wear out quicker. Yeah. And at higher loads, tires wear out quicker. So in his world, his bike had the Pirelli tires that came on it from Piaggio, which are very fucking soft. And he's running at freeway speeds with a heavy load on the bike. Yeah. So... If you're in Cleveland, you're only, you know, four or 500 miles away from Baltimore and you're already on a tire. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You're going to have a tough trip. So be aware of your tire consumption before you start your trip. Don't be the guys like us that on our first Alaska trip, I did not realize how many tires my VFR would consume doing high speed, long distance travel because mm -hmm. you are going to consume a lot more tires. Uh, that's a big, big deal. Uh, get familiar with like the protein bars, energy snacks, and that yep. kind of stuff. Stay away from caffeine. Stay away from too much salt. Uh, that stuff will it will actually slow you down. It will actually mess you up if you're trying to cover a lot of miles in a day. Uh, that's you got to be a little bit careful with that stuff. Don't pack too much food because it food's heavy. Yep. So be more aware. Food is probably the easiest thing to find on the road. I would. Think. It is. 
Yeah, no matter where you are, there's fucking humans about. Food and gasoline are probably yeah. the easiest, the two they easiest. They are. The things that you think of first are the easiest things to find. Right, the lifelines, right? The things you can't travel without. Having an air compressor, I've now gotten into these little tiny... What I'll do is I'll buy a good quality 12-volt air compressor and then break it apart. So I take this thing. And there's a company that actually sells these specifically this way, so they take a place space. But I will buy a good one myself. There's plenty of motorcycle air compressors you can buy that specifically tout their small size and portability. Okay, so you're saying break them apart by taking all the plastic housing yeah. and everything off? Yeah, So you're you just don't need left any with of the compressor shit. bit in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's really handy. So if you take a decent quality air compressor mm -hmm. and hack it, like just take it apart, yep. completely take it apart, what you end up with is a switch, a long cord, mm -hmm. that's good. Yep. You'll use that someday. You might need 12 feet of that 20-foot cord. And you'll end up with an air compressor itself and hopefully a decent quality hose. Yep. And the good news is if the hose isn't the kind of hose you like, you can change that. And now, because this thing is so portable, you can get a if it has five feet of hose on it, you can have two feet of hose and do your job. Mm -hmm. So you can lose that hose, or that's more hose for you if you need fuel line in the future. That's true. So that's a good thing. Look at your bike's... Uh, Valve stem caps. Look at the valve stems themselves. Some valve stems come straight out of the rim, and you can only act, put air into it with a certain kind of fucking filler. Mm -hmm. Happens here at the shop all the time. Why do I need six different filler devices? Because there's all these different kinds of valve stems out there. Some of them you can access with a straight-on type device. But others, a straight-on device will not help you. You need something with a 90 degree in it. Mm -hmm. So know your bike's setup and understand you might need to go to Harbor Freight and buy one of those 90-degree air chucks to put on the end of your recently torn-apart air compressor. That's a good thing because when you do tear that thing apart, you can pack it down real small. Yep. You can also look at the way it's built and go, yeah, that's garbage. I'm going to fix a lot of this. I can replace the wires on it. I can mm -hmm. replace the hose on it. Take a low-quality or a medium-quality air pump and bring it up to a high-quality standard. We all know they break in the same place. The cords break. The hoses break. That's the two parts that fail. Get yourself 12 inches of good hose and get rid of that junk from China that came on the thing. And now you got something that will last a long time. And because you've deconstructed it, it no longer takes up the size of a toaster. It's now the size of a can of beer because you've now taken it down to its representative parts. There's nothing wrong with taking something apart to make it more functional for yeah. you. So that's a good, that's something I've got that is in my kind of my little duffel bag I have that goes with me places. Having that stuff on the side of the road as opposed to, and I've done this too, just a regular old mountain bike pump. It works. Yep. Yep. You don't need any power for it. And they're light. They're light. They require no maintenance. Mm -hmm. They will pump up anything if you have the time. Yep. So, you know, they're, they're functional and they work. Uh, if you wear optical glasses, if you wear corrective lenses, have two or three pairs. Just do not fucking not have these things because if you don't have... It will ruin your trip. Mm -hmm. Losing your glasses will absolutely ruin your trip. If you have any medication, double it up. Have medications that you need to take. Have two sets of them. Have one set where they would normally be, and then have another set either on your person or in your tank bag or whatever. That's that's just a big part of it. Having a trip, being on a, a super long trip, you're going to find out things that you don't even think about are critically important. I went through three different types of seat cushions before I got to Colorado. Like, it took me experimenting with three different things to realize the seat that Honda put on that bike was a fucking torture device after about an hour and a half. 
So has any motorcycle ever come with a good stock seat? I don't know. And that's a damn good question because I've ridden a lot of bikes that like claim I'm going to keep buying motorcycles for yeah. that reason to find out if to any. find out because yeah. <laughs> this one might have fixed it. This yeah, this might be yeah, it's true. And I we were talking about that earlier yep. that yep. <laughs> it might be intentional. It might be well if the seat if your shoes hurt your feet you can't think about much else, right? So if we give a guy a seat that feels kind of bad after an hour he won't notice our shitty suspension or our shitty brakes or anything else. And I've always said, when I read a motorcycle review in a magazine, and it says, the brakes were great, the suspension was great, the motor was great, the fuel economy was great, the noise was fine, oh, damn that seat. Well, <laughs> the seat's like the throwaway. Because what happens? The seat's happened? the scapegoat. Yep. Everyone's going to replace the seat. Mm -hmm. you know? And I would much rather have, we have the technology to make a good seat. I've ridden Russell Daylongs that feel fantastic. I've ridden Corbins that feel great. And I've ridden Corbins that felt like I was sitting on the corpse of another Corbin, right? They're just hard as death. My Corbin for my GB500 feels like it was hammered out of a car fender. It is the most unyielding, unpleasant thing I've ever had. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't feel good after an hour and a half. Yeah. It feels that's like what, That's what frightens me a little bit about Corbins. I've been yeah. looking at seats for, like a seat for like the ZRX. Yeah. Because I do want to take a long trip in that bike uh, next year. Sure. At least one. And um, it's like the hit or miss right. of, or if Corbin makes two different seats for your right. bike, it's like, which one is the good yeah. one? Exactly. Like, I'm not dogging yeah. on Corbin at no. all. My wife's SV650S seat for that was a Corbin was magical. Yeah. It was a wonderful seat. I loved it. She loved it. We thought that was a great seat. And that was worth the money we paid for it. Mm -hmm. But there's also, like you said, we've also had ones that were so hard and yeah. just unyielding and not fun. Yeah, right now I'm looking at a seat made by a French company, Top Celery. Oh, interesting. But it's spelled S-E-L-L-E-R-I-E. Yeah. It apparently is pronounced like the, the flavorless vegetable. I have had Airhawks. <laughs> I've had J.C. Whitney imitations of Airhawks. I have had the taxi driver seat beads. And I can tell you that I've gotten more satisfaction out of the combination of an Airhawk or a J.C. Whitney version of an Airhawk and the beaded seat, the taxi driver beads, anal beads, I, those are way to go. That's the way to go. Like that for me, after spending a lot of money trying a bunch of different shit, that system for me was the way to get a lot of miles and not be in pain. Mm -hmm. So it was the combination of the air adjustability, which, you know, we could put air more air in or out. It does elevate you a lot off the seat. So if the bike's already tall, that could be a problem for you. Making and it, it might change the level of where your bars are, too. It could. Yeah, it could. Too. Absolutely. Honestly, I think the seat... I, I have never really been a huge proponent of riding super long distances. Yeah. Uh, and I'm starting to change my tune. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, honestly, the seat is probably the biggest factor in that for me. Yeah. It, if, yeah. if I was comfortable, I'd, and, and the day after I got the Superhawk, I, yeah. I was riding it around Cleveland and stuff. It's like, I'm just going to ride until I don't feel like riding anymore. Yeah, that's and a it, good point. And it felt really good for yeah. a really long time. And the only reason you probably <laughs> that's felt like stopping is That's a factory original seat. seat. <laughs> it's a, it's a 1965 right. factory original Honda seat. Well, there you go. You oh. just need padding that's about that thick yeah and that's it oh uh, we used to joke all the time about vespa and lambretta seats so people that don't know this original vespa and lambretta seats were just a steel frame with springs mm -hmm. stretched across them and not like bed springs these really weird flat flat coils coils yeah and there and there's like maybe 18 rows of them 
on the front and maybe 16 rows of them for the passenger. And then there's a bridge piece in the middle that nobody wants to sit on, right? And that's the, the dividing of two. And then above that, there's maybe like nine pages of newspaper worth of padding <laughs> and then a leather cover or a, you know, a, a simulated leather cover. And that's it, man. That's the seat. And I've had a bunch of them, and they feel great. Yeah. They really do. I mean, they, they move the way you need them to move. And aside from the sweaty, sweaty balls thing, they're pretty fucking great mm-hmm. because they're the... just a spring suspension under your ass. Right. So I think, you, I think you really, really hit on something there, though, with like the seat being the limiting factor. Because I bet yeah. I would be way more into the idea of motorcycle touring yeah. and going on long-distance rides if yeah. I had a single bike with a seat that didn't suck. Because yeah. the Vespa seat the LX, yeah. on the 07 LX150, oh, yeah. that's probably the most comfortable seat of any bike I own. It's a lot of open cell phone. Yeah. When that's we really did, what it is. You I know, mean, my, my ass was getting tired towards the end of that 100-plus uh, mile poker run we did. Yeah. But, like, I wasn't completely... We got home, and I still felt right. fresh, as you should feel after 100 miles. Exactly. Like, 100 miles is nothing. The, right. the seat that's on that motorcycle, that police Harley-Davidson, that seat is a whole operating system unto itself. <laughs> It has its own suspension. It is its own adjustability. But that is one of the greatest motorcycle seats I've ever sat on in my life. And I can ride that bike for six hours in a day, and it feels yeah. great. So whatever Harley-Davidson cooked up for its original Harley-Davidson motorcycle police seat is kind of magic. Oh, my God, it's a heavy bike. It is a heavy bike. Yeah, it's a heavy bike. But that seat is designed with a, a big preload spring on it, right? And the funny thing is... I have that preload spring on that motorcycle completely backed off. That is set for like the lightest person that's allowed to ride that bike. And mind you, I weigh 200 pounds. And I can barely compress that spring. Mm-hmm. So I have to hit a goddamn pothole for that spring on that seat to move it all. Yep. I mean, it really takes, it's set up for a much beefier person than I am. The thing is, you can't really tell how comfortable a seat is right. just by sitting on a bike. Like, no. you literally have yeah. to ride you a bike ride until it. it hurts to figure out how bad or good the seat is. I think is. you're right. I think or it does. Or where it starts hurting or right. what, yeah. 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 And I can ride that bike for four hours, no problem, not even think about the seat. In fact, forget that the seat is an issue. And that's the perfect sign, is if mm-hmm. you forget the seat's even a, a thing, now, it's a weird seat. It puts you in a weird riding position. There's a lot of strange things about the law enforcement saddle on Harley-Davidson bikes. See, here we go. If the seat is comfortable, you find other problems. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Harley-Davidson. You made the seat too good. Oh, man. I've never sat on a, a police bike. A police bike? Before. So, like, seeing all the controls for the Yeah, all the controls are different. All the controls for all the fun stuff, all the toys. and. It was the same way with uh, with Henry's ST1300. Oh, yeah. All the switches and all stuff. This, all yeah, the police yeah. switches. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's something cool about authentic police motorcycles that, that just have all the extra crap, you know, that we don't that we don't need or get. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's you can wire in so much stuff. Oh, there's miles of wiring that we took out of that bike. What was yeah. the year for the fuel injected KZ1000 police? 96? Last year, like super duper, like, you're right, like 96 or something. It was extremely rare. And you know, you can tell, too, because those are like twice as much as the previous <laughs> Yeah, and they're not easy to lay your hands on. I think it was just a one-year bike, too. I think it was just the last of the KZ-1000P. I don't... And somebody should fact-check me on this if you know more about them. There's enough people out there that know about KZ-1000Ps. But I would like to have a fuel-injected KZ-1000P. That would check all my boxes. That is really, like... I think if you go like brand by brand for yeah. Kawasaki, one of the mountaintop bikes for them has yeah. to be a KZ1000, oh, a, a fuel-injected KZ1000P. Mm-hmm. And they built it forever. They built the KZ1000 forever mm-hmm. in all these different versions. 
So by the time you got to fuel injection on that bike, everything else was well sorted. Right? Yeah. You know, nothing would be even questionable at that point. The uh, So what I did want to talk about, uh, long trip in it, dude. Tires, dude. We are going to talk about tires. We're not going to have the standard tire conversation. Uh, what should you ride? Whatever. I'm going to tell you a cautionary tale about somebody who just left our shop the other day on his big Moto Guzzi Stelvio, which is a big 1,200cc sport big touring bike, adventure bike, big bike. And he's an extremely seasoned rider. I mean, this is a guy who's ridden cross-country several times. His word is fucking bond to me when you talk about long-distance traveling. He and a group of friends were leaving Ohio and going to ride to Alaska, something I've done myself. And that's not a bad bike to do it on, man. You got all the stuff. You got power. You got comfort. Stelvio is a great bike to do cross-country trip on. So he showed up at our shop. And he was having a tire problem, not particularly a tire problem, but a tube problem. And he was running uh, the Mitas tires. Now, if you're on ADV Rider Forum, you'll know that on the eighth day, God came down from Czechoslovakia and gave us Mitas tires. And uh, it's one of those things like, I don't know, 15 years ago in the scooter community, somebody said the word Heidenau or Schwalbe, and everybody lost their collective shit, and everybody had to have tires shipped in from Germany as opposed to tires that we could buy here. Right, and I wonder sometimes if the tire is really that much better, or is it hype? And in the case of the Mitas, we've had a few of our customers come in with Mitas because nothing sells a tire like fucking ADV Rider. Yep. Um, they should be getting a kickback from Mitas because they single-handedly made everybody think that was the right tire. And it's a tractor tire. Make no mistake about it. It is something that would probably great be great on your Ural if your Ural lives in the snow and the mud. It's the per- it sounds like the perfect mid Ohio vintage day. Style. It probably oh, is. Yeah, yeah. and the other thing is, despite all of these hurdles of getting it into the United States and a really sketchy supply chain, we had people that were buying these tires from Australia and shipping them in, or England, or somewhere else, and shipping tires in just to have these Mitas tires that, to me, looked like the tread pattern on like a Korean era Jeep. Like they weren't anything cool. Narrow tire, strange footprint. Probably good in mud, mm-hmm. right? Real, honest-to-God mud. But you didn't ride to my shop in mud. So yeah. unless you're spending most of your time in mud, and they make a TKC-80 for that. So uh, what is so great about the Mitas? Well, what we learned is we've had a couple of these now. The sidewalls on them are so fucking stiff. It's like having... Well, it's not like having... The sidewalls are so fucking stiff that... First adopter people on forums have said, well, that's not a problem, dude. That's a benefit. It's like having to run flat tires. So, like, if you lose air pressure, the sidewalls are stiff enough that, like, you can still drive on these things. Uh, yeah. No, man. No. Sorry. That 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 has – it's like when people dark side their motorcycles and put car tires in the back of them. And they're like, oh, well, you know, it's, I get the better run out. I get a better outer diameter, so I get better miles per gallon. And, you know, they corner just fine. They don't corner just fine, and that sidewall is way too strong, and you're riding on a fucking Lego tire. It's a square piece of plastic. If a car tire is designed to go 60,000 miles, that's a hard rubber compound. Yeah. You don't want to put a $49 guaranteed for 50,000 miles Kmart tire on your motorcycle, where rubber adhesion and cornering ability is the main reason you buy the tire. So these Mitas... I'm going to skip to the bad news. The bad news is he brought the thing into us and said he's having a problem. He can't get the tire to catch a bead, and he can't. 
and he brings it into us, and we can't get it to catch a bead either. There was something about the sidewall of the tire where every time we'd inflate this thing, and we used all kinds of goo, and every time we'd inflate it, we'd get it to catch a bead, but then he would take the bike off the stand and ride it, and it would lose air. Not fast, but it would lose air. And then we checked it, and it's leaking air at the bead, right? So that's weird. Was this with the tube in it? No, this is no tube. This is tubeless, right? This is tubeless. So uh, we sit around, and he decides he wants to put tubes in it. So he's going to pony up for some good Michelin tubes. We pop some good Michelin tubes in it. Everything's fine because that is a suitable solution for any time you have a tire problem. I have no problem putting tubes into a leaky, like small leak, uh, tubeless tire. I've done it for years. It works. Just don't go super high speeds on that tire. You're, you're going to affect the speed rating of that tire dramatically by having a tube in there. Plus, it is heavier now, and you should rebalance it for sure because you have a tube in there now. Okay, safety briefing out of the way. Puts a tube in it. That's great. We pop the tube in. He rides the bike around for a little while. Tube's leaking. Okay, he's losing air. Well, fuck, dude. And this isn't like three hours. This is days. So... Uh, he's already on his trip at this point yep. and he goes out and it turns out that this tire's sidewall is so stiff how stiff is it? it's so stiff that in fact the sidewall what's the nicest way to put it? the inner cable mounted bead of the tire is not gripping the fucking wheel enough. It's not making a bond to the wheel. So what is essentially happening is when he accelerates this 100 horsepower motorcycle, it is turning the tire on the rim. And therefore now ripping the valve stem or damaging the valve stem in the tube. Mm-hmm. The motherfucker needs rim locks. Yeah, He needs bead locks. Uh, which the motorcycle isn't set up to do. You can install them later. It's a giant pain in the dick. But the motorcycle is this motorcycle is not set up to have bead locks under any circumstances. Not so, designed for so it. So if all. you're riding like in an adventure setting and you're in the middle of again BFE and you might have to take a tire off and right. put it on and you have a tire with a mega stiff sidewall, how is that a benefit? It's not a benefit. It's really really tough. And yeah. we do it here on a machine, and it's still really really tough. Yeah. And here's the the downside to this: he stops in Chicago because he's got this gradual leak in his rear tire, uh, and the folks in Chicago install a new tube for him. The problem was the shop in Chicago that installed the tube, and I don't even know what shop it is, and I don't care, it could be in any city in America. When they installed it, I guess the complaint is they did not put the top nut or the bottom nut on the valve stem, because we know that when we install tubes, there's two nuts. One goes inside the rim, one goes on the outside of the rim or the side pointing towards the customer. And one of these was not installed. And a distance from the shop, the distance being Iowa. So one state away, he had a sudden loss of rear air on his bike, crashed the bike, broke his wrist, everything else. One of our friends, Kurt Edwards, goes from goes from Ohio to Iowa to pick the guy up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he crashed his bike because of a tire that was a unknown entity, a first tire off, that had problems. First off, yeah, that doesn't sound like a run flat to me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, like, no. I hate to I hate to laugh about, like, one of our motorcycle brothers, like, breaking a wrist, but it's, like, as yeah. a cautionary tale to, like, 
what do I want to what do I want to say here? You know, when you forums, we don't have forums the way we used to anymore. But the thing about like forums up until a certain point was that anybody could say anything and anybody could be the expert on something. Mm-hmm. Now we're at an era where, you know, if you're if your shit's old enough, um, they've they've separated the wheat from the chaff, and you have right. the actual good expert information, which unfortunately might be outdated by now, yep. but is probably still correct to some degree. But um, I'll give an example of like uh, RX Seven forums. When I was on RX Seven forums, you know, you had the expert that said there was a there was an oil injection system. That was a little pump with four plastic lines coming from it, mm-hmm. and it was set up to um, inject oil into the combustion chamber at wide open throttle to lubricate the tips right. of the apex seals. Yep. And the plastic gets really brittle and it breaks off these banjo fittings um, because rotary engines get really hot, and also, you know, these cars are 30 years old. Right. And there's the experts that say, just yank that shit off and run premix. And then there's also expert B that says, no, you get these stainless steel clamps and you get this Teflon lined plastic heat rated hose from a medical supply company that they use for oxygen that goes inside people's bodies <laughs> and you rebuild it with that. Right. So you have your, your two different sets of experts. Well, so I, it's I think, like, I think with, with like forums too, a lot of people just sort of start following the people who have been there the longest. The people that have they, been there the longest and the people with the highest post count, which again, right. like now that forums are dying, one of the, one of the few benefits of the death of forums is that that doesn't really fly anymore. It used to be yeah. you would get an ASE certification. Right. I'm good. Uh, you'd get an ASE certification after you hit 1,500 posts. Of course. I mean, that that was always a thing. Is like, well, this guy must be valuable. He's verbose. Yeah. But not at all. That means he's sitting on the couch instead of writing. Yeah. The qual- You can yeah. tell the quality of a forum by if they uh, count off-topic posts towards post count Interesting. Or not. Uh, that's interesting. I don't care if they show, like, they're, they're some padding sites, their post yeah, some, some sites will show you the post count, other sites won't. I don't mind, but if it's a site where your non-tech right. off-topic posts do not count right. towards your post count, yeah. you can probably start to trust the post count thing a little more. It's tough, and we and we do have, like I said, every day my customers remind me about all this great information about the internal combustion engine that has just been discovered by them on the internet, Yep. right? And we hear that every single day. That's part of being in this job. And being in this job is hearing somebody tell me, like, oh, well, I've heard that if my motorcycle is making a strange groaning noise at night, you know, it's I parked my bike three hours ago, and if the bike is going, that I have a problem with my fuel injection system, my vapor recovery system, and, da, 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 and I need to buy this other gas cap and all these other things. I'm like, no, dude, your bike's just shutting down for the night. I mean, it's, it's just losing the hundreds of pounds of pressure that were in your fuel yep. system. As the bike's cooling down, things are purging, and that's fine, and it's normal. Well, no, you know... You know, ask me four zero seven seven eight on whatever forum said that's a major thing, and he and I said, oh, does he sell a thing to fix it? So you know, that's another thing too. So yeah, the the, the internet can be tough when there is this mellow mind speak, this, this mass hysteria of, well, I discovered this Mitas tire. Well, one, you didn't discover shit. They made that tire. That company made that tire yeah, you, for years you, and years. You were and the years. first person to right. buy something. Right. You were an early adopter. Yeah, that's crowdfunded it. You were you a Kickstarter. Congratulations! I want to do a crowdfunding po- project. There's plenty of out there. But they, uh, <laughs> Did you no see shorts. what I posted the other day? What? 
Have you ever heard of Canadian Tire Money? Oh, of course we have. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. I want to crowdfund a trip through Canada exclusively with donations of old Canadian Tire Money. Right. Because there's like restaurants and places that will accept it because everybody shops at Canadian Tire. Well, there's a uh, there's a fellow that built a DC three, uh, and he's a save plane plane saver plane saver. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. But yeah, he's up in Pacific Northwest and uh, he's up in Canada and he helped. He went to the internet. The internet helped him uh, res- resurrect a World War Two D Day flown DC three. Mm-hmm. And one of the things when he was going down his build sheet. He had people send them old Tim Hortons cards with whatever was left on it. And then a lot of Americans were just sending him Canadian currency they just had in their top drawer that yeah, they weren't using. And they just mailed it to him. And they're like, what? I'm not using it. So you know, here's here's 18 bucks, you know, or here's 20 bucks worth of change or whatever. And so he used that and, and they did. They counted every penny. And it did they did end up coming in on budget. And they were able to successfully resurrect a DC-3. Wow. Now, they sold some t-shirts. They sold yeah. some hats and a terrible logo and all these things. But it's wonderful to watch it because here's a crew of trained mechanics getting together and putting their skills together and, in fact, rescuing a 1944 or 1943 built DC-3. See, if they could do that with Tim Hortons cards, I can right. ride across Canada right. <laughs> yeah. with right. It is tough. Canadian Tire I'm, Money. I'm sure that finding places that take Canadian Tire Money... I was in Canadian Tire not that recently, or, or not that distantly, when I was resurrecting the two escargots and bringing them across. Yep. I've not a lot of experience with the Canadian Tire. They have everything, No, they apparently. don't. They don't? No, they don't. It's not Damn. what you think it is. You want it to be a mecca. You want it to be advanced auto parts, and Harbor Freight had a baby. Think, yeah, well, I here's think, the thing. I think the last time I was in Can- Canadian Tire, yeah. I was kind of like, wow, this is kind of like Ollie's now. It's kind yeah, of, it's, kind of like, it's kind of like there are more varieties of uh, j- jelly bears. Mm-hmm. There's more varieties of uh, beef jerky and there's more varieties of soda than there are varieties of battery charger. Yeah. Okay. So they just have like the Princess Auto, you know, or whatever brand of Canadian Tire brand auto battery charger. So they there's a want of selection there. What, what, what built the Canadian Tire legend for me yeah. is that on multiple occasions, on like a Facebook group or a yeah. forum, someone has posted some cool thing they bought, and I right. said, "That's really cool. Where did you get Canadian it?" And they tire. said, "Canadian Tire." Right. And as an American at the time who'd never heard of it, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, "Is this some kind of joke?" I think I you think bought yeah. that at a tire store, and yeah, they're like, it's, "No, it's called it's Canadian, Canadian Tire." tire. Everything. It's more like uh, Farm and Fleet. Yeah, it sounds I, a I lot think, like Menards I think they from used what you're to be, describing. I think they used to be a lot better because I have yeah. relatives in Canada, so I used to go up there all the time. But but I, I remember it being more like a Menards or, or more like a yeah. like a Hartville Hardware even. Yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff, but it's one one version of each thing. That's that's yeah. kind of what I dislike about Menards. Not to get too far off topic, is that they are a mile wide and yeah. an inch deep. Inch deep. That's exactly right. <laughs> like. Yeah. Like, I wanted to fill some holes in the wall to get ready for painting, and yeah. there's a, a DAP brand product I like to, product I like to use that starts out pink and yeah. it dries, yeah, it dries white. white. Yeah, right on. And because yeah, I'm a that. complete idiot, right. that lets me know when I can sand it and then subsequently <laughs> right. paint. And they had, like, one other DAP product there, but they had no selection otherwise. It right. was like, if you're shopping at Menards to do drywall this or is whatever, what you, get. you use this one yep. product, which this is weird is to me because isn't this a hardware store? Right. Well, but that's the but thing. It's like is I, could said, buy, I could buy some DVDs there. Like yeah. I could buy some old war movies. I could mm-hmm. buy... Uh, oh, they have 14 seed. rows of snacks. Yeah. Like they have 14 rows of snack food. And again, though, 
I hope that's the brand you like. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's what they have. Uh, so yeah, going. So we're talking about the tire thing. Yeah, that's just a. That's one of those things. Don't go out on a trip on a big trip, on some hot new shit that you haven't battle tested. Right. So if this is your first time trying this particular tire, maybe put six hundred miles. I think, on it I first. think that's that's a yeah. good way to put it because. If you want to buy a cheap tire, buy yeah. a cheap tire. But, but know it. Don't go on a long trip when on it's the first tire. time. Right, exactly. What do you think about like the concept of the devil you know versus the devil Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Like a tire that it's not hot or new or exciting, right. but it's a tire that I know that a lot of dealerships are going to have in stock so that right. if I have a flat or I have an issue, yeah. the tire that I replace it with is going to be the same. Because I'm it, sure you're on autopilot uh, a lot of the time when you're riding that many miles and Imagine if you were going to try to drive cross-country on something as exotic as like a PC-800 or any one of the numerous Honda Shadows that ran a 15-inch rear wheel. Mm. That is not an easy tire to find. So you might want to plan ahead. You might want to know, well, when I get to Colorado, I might need a tire. So let me know the name of a shop that has... Order one into a shop. A 150 by 15 in in stock. That kind of that kind of right. got me off of a PC eight hundred. The first touring bike I've ever been yeah. interested in was a PC eight hundred, yeah. and then finding out it had a fifteen inch rear wheel, it's kind of cured me. Of it's it. anything you want as long as it's a Dunlop K five thirty eight. Can you, you know? fit a spare tire in a PC eight hundred? No. Probably. I mean, you could. I mean, realistically, <laughs> that's I mean, a lot of it space. has like a trunk. Right. Remember, it does. Like yeah. it, it, it has a boot. It, it's like a U shaped trunk over. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and also kind of understand what the range of your tires are. Yeah. If you don't know yourself. Get on some forum and ask people, you know, hey, I'm riding a KLR 650 cross country. I got the original trail wings or whatever on here. I need to know how long are these Bridgestones going to last with my 200-pound ass and 150 pounds of luggage on here. What do you think? What have you guys learned? Can I expect to get 5,000 out of this tire or am I going to get 2,000 out of this tire? That's an important thing to know. Yeah. It's a good thing to have your tires figured out. A friend of ours, Tom Relic, up in uh, Ontario. Apparently, it's a Canadian podcast. He rode up to the Arctic Circle, and he did. He had ty- he had extra tires with him on yep. the bike. Not mounted. He's a man. He could mount them up in the field. But he had extra tires on board. Did he wear them around his waist? I was <laughs> asking the same thing, but it, I did look at his load, and his load, he had the tires on the back. Yeah. But, yeah, you could do that extra. The Michelin man yep. uh, don't need an air vest. Have that. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. And that's stuff that I think that everybody... Who rides a motorcycle, if you're going to do any kind of a long trip, that's a good thing to keep in mind for long Mm -hmm. trips. If you guys have any suggestions about super tips or tricks you've learned for the long-distance traveler, uh, yeah, let us know. Because there's things that are going to make your comfort so much better on that fourth or fifth day. Uh, I told Kevin, I was like, dude, let if you're going to have a passenger, here's the thing about passengers. You're driving that fucker. The passenger is not... They are bored to tears. If you think your ass hurts, imagine if you didn't have anything else to think about. Right. So you tell your passenger, your passenger is in charge of uh, pee brakes. They're the, they're, the, they're the rule. They are the god. They're the god of pee brakes. If they need to take pee brakes, you take pee brakes. The passenger is in charge of food brakes. If they say food great, I don't care if you just put gas in the tank 20 minutes ago. If your passenger says, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I need to stop, stop. Part of having a passenger on board is that you might want to have sex with that person later. If that person is angry, it's not going to be worth having the passenger on board, right? You're losing the benefit to having that person with you on that long trip. <laughs> That's a good point. And if that person has got the ass, if they got a case of the ass at you, you are not going to appreciate having them with you at 11 o'clock at night when you check into that $39 motel. 
that doesn't have 400 channels of cable. Or Wi-Fi. Right. It's good to have your passenger. If your passenger is somebody that you're romantically involved with, let's keep them on your side. Whatever they say goes. They are the passenger, but they're driving the trip. You're driving the bike. They're driving the trip. If they want to go home, go home. Uh, go fucking home. Buy them a plane <laughs> ticket. Don't make them suffer through it. Buy them a plane ticket. Send their ass home, right? Don't make them suffer. Send them home. The other thing, too, is if you are a camper and you're with somebody who's not a camper or isn't used to camping, tell them they can dictate is every third night a hotel stop so that every third night we can wash our clothes and get our stuff clean and get a good shower and really do like pull some maintenance on the bike, whatever. Because... Yeah, breaking the trip up every third night a hotel stop is a great idea. It's a really good way to make a trip a lot more fun. And it's real easy to budget that with things like Hotels Tonight, some different resources you have. You can get into a $50 or $60 hotel last minute. So you might not know. Part of the best thing about riding a motorcycle trip is not fucking planning everything. Well, with Hotels Tonight, we can show up somewhere at 9 o'clock at night and go, well, it looks like tonight we're in Spokane. And if, and if you are the kind of relationship where, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably the part of that relationship that likes to fly by the seat of your pants. Right. And you probably settled down with somebody because yin and yang, who is right. a planner. Hopefully, yeah. And set that expectation ahead of time. Right. That part of the joy of a motorcycle trip is that it just happens as it happens. Exactly. And that there is a plan. You have a very loose plan. Yep. And the plan is always subject to change. Right. If you change the plan five minutes ago, you're going to change it in another five minutes. Right. Mm. This yeah. all sounds but you very have to, stressful. But you have to set that expectation <laughs> well in advance. I'm sorry. Can I plan that? Can we get that? Can we? Can we get you to submit that bathroom gonna, break in writing? I'm going to plan for a, a change of plans in five minutes. <laughs> but it is that way with motorcycle trips in general. Every time I've done one, there have been many things that have popped up. And if you get upset about the things that pop up, you're really going to have a bad time. So it's better to roll with it. It's better to just take the situation as it shows up. You know, it, luck favors the prepared. If you've got everything in your goddamn tool roll in a rain suit, it won't rain and you won't break down. Right? That's just the yeah. way it works. It's like that exhaust issue I was telling you yeah. about. It's exactly what it is. The car fixed itself because I ordered the parts. You had everything on order. Itself. Right. You get to the doctor, your tooth starts hurting or stops hurting. Yeah. You know, that's the way it works. Don't sell those parts. No, I'm don't. Telling you. No, yeah. no, you <laughs> lose the whole thing. So, okay, other thing that we want to talk about for fun. Uh, I, I Guys, I want, I'm ready. We're one hour and six minutes in. Mm-hmm. I want us to do a new logo contest. It's been about three Ooh. years since we did a logo contest. So here's what I'm willing to put up. I'm willing to put up for the winner their choice of any bell qualifier helmet. You pick the size, you pick the color pattern, I'll pay for it. I'll, I'll, I'll order it in. I'll ship it to you. Bell Qualifier. Oh, is that bell like qualifier. that yellow one? Uh, that yellow one is a Bell Qualifier. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a high visibility nice. green. Now, we do ask that you go ahead and make it modern issue. Don't make it some antique thing. I can't go back in time and get it. Um, if you want to go to their website, the Bell Qualifier, the Bell website is fantastic. But any Bell Qualifier helmet, I will buy it for you if we choose your logo for Cleveland Moto Podcast. Now here's the important thing, the yeah exactly that is a bell qualifier. Ooh, that looks cool. The Senna, that's cool. Yeah, the Senna paint scheme. It's the circa 1981 diagonals with you know aqua blue, red, and yellow. I mean it's a gorgeous. And it's got helmet. a very subtle metal flake. Too. Yeah, yeah it does. black. That's cool. It's a gorgeous helmet. I mean that's a beautiful, beautiful helmet. And 
uh, what I'll do is so, so what I think we should do is we should have a winner and we should have a runner-up. So we'll do uh, the winner's going to get any bell qualifier they want and then the runner-up will come up with some other equally cool prize that'll be slightly less valuable than that. And I'm going to cover the shipping. I'm going to put it in your driveway. I'm going to put it in your mailbox, whatever it takes to get it to you. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to make you that commitment if you live in Australia or if you live in uh, Germany. I will ship this fucker to you on the receipt of the winning logo. So the logo must involve the following criteria. It must be what they call camera-ready artwork. It must be something that we can use to put on different forums. Uh, it must be something that we can have it made into a JPEG. You know, so it has to be digitally friendly. That's what we want. We want something that we can use and spread around to make t-shirts with and all kinds of good shit. Uh, that's what the goal is. Otherwise, we wouldn't be asking for it. The other thing is it must have the words Cleveland Moto in it. And, you know, if you want to have Ride Fast Take Chances in there, that's great too. We love that. It's a big part of who we are. But, yeah, must say Cleveland Moto in it. Creativity is king. Rock it out. Uh, I haven't quite come up with this, what the second prize will be. And maybe if we see we're getting a lot of submissions, uh, I will we'll double down on the prizes. We'll make the prizes bigger. So if we get a lot of submissions, we get a lot of stuff coming in, that's better for me because I get more shit to choose from, yep. then we'll make the prize bigger. Third prize should be completely useless. Third prize should be like <laughs> third prize should be like all the parts that you take off of a 2010 ZX10 the day after you buy it. So like well, the stock rear fender, uh, the stock exhaust. As luck would have it. No, shipping's too expensive for that shit. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I am reasonable. But, you know, the, the, the submissions that we got from last time we did this were great. They were fun. And we can go back on those. I've kept them. And occasionally when we need a little, you know, a logo for somebody's T-shirt that we're sponsoring, a, a rally yeah. or an event, I'll pull up one of the old ones, one of the ones that we haven't used in a while, to have a fun, you know, uh, a fun piece of identity that nobody's seen for a while. So it's nice having that stuff around to draw on. So please, if you have an artistic bone in your body... Don't worry, we don't. So we're not going to judge you harshly. Mm -hmm. um, that helmet design that won last time, that helmet design, the Cleveland Moto helmet logo, we love that thing, man. We we put that on everything. But we're ready to have some more. We're ready to have some more logos. So please, absolutely, uh, get us a logo. Now, I want my video nerds to give me a god damn Cleveland Moto YouTube opening splash Ooh, credit. Intro. An intro. Yeah. Okay. Guys, seriously, get me an intro. Somebody get me an intro. Please, we need an intro for our YouTube channel. It just starts with me being me. It's fucking <laughs> horrible, right? I'm staring down the barrel of the fucking cannon, and I, I, don't, I can't be that interesting that quickly. I got to gear up into it. So if somebody can give us a little intro video, a Cleveland Moto intro video... Man, I, I'm telling you, I will I will give you something special. Totally separate contest. I assure you, I will provide you with something kick-ass. And I'll give you some Cleveland Moto swag and some all kinds of crap too. We'll give you some kind of special something. If you work for a company, I'll give you some crazy plugs on our, you know, 20,000 people can hear about the company you work for um, from our stupid radio show. But the... Uh, yeah, we will give you that because we would love to have an intro. We would like to have our Cleveland Moto stuff look better, yep. right? We, yep. we feel like we work hard on the content, 
we need the front and the back end to look a little better. This is better. the 21st century. We need to, we need yeah. to mark it. And we don't specialize in that around here. Nope. We're, we're too busy focusing on the nuts and bolts of stuff, not on making stuff look good. Uh, it's a miracle that the floor gets swept around here at all. Uh, we'd all be eating out of paper bags around here if we had our way about it. Uh, so that's a big deal. Last thing we want to talk about, and this is a big deal, is Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is coming up. Yep. So last weekend in September, uh, I don't care where you are, DGR. Right? It's the day before my birthday. So is it really? Yeah. Oh, shit, last, yeah. Last year was the day of my it birthday. It was your birthday yeah. day, yeah. right? So, yeah, so it's uh, September 29th this year, right? Is that mm -hmm. it? So September 29th this year, uh, get together, learn about this. Go to distinguishedgentlemansride.com or www.gentlemansride.com is their website. Go to that and sign up. I don't care where you are. This is not a Cleveland Moto thing. Just because we were there for the very beginning of it and we have done it enthusiastically every single year, we get much joy out of this. I don't care whether you ride a Lambretta or you ride a Vespa or whatever. You dress up, you be distinguished, you may or may not donate some money to prostate cancer research or men's suicide prevention. You may not do any of those things. You don't have to to participate, but you do have to register. Don't send me an email asking me for the details of the ride. I'm not going to give it to you because you have to register. It's distinguishedgentlemansride.com, right? Yeah. I think it is. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. So if you register, which I did today, again, under an assumed name, it is free. There is no obligation to give any currency, any money whatsoever. And then once you're registered, it will give you the option for the rides that are happening in your state or your country and how to participate in them. Then it will disclose to you, once you've committed to the registration, then it will tell you what the meetup and the details are. What I can tell you is every year we tell them what our ride is going to be, and every year they tell us our ride is too long. <laughs> and you were on a ride last year. Yep. It was fun. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I was on a vintage Vespa. It was right. not yeah. unreasonable. It was, wasn't too fast. It wasn't too slow. We all was, arrived in one place. Yeah. It was longer than they wanted it to be, yep. a lot longer than they wanted it to be. But we try to pick a very interesting, twisty route that makes things fun so that no matter what kind of bike you're on, you can participate and have a good time. Did you do it last year? No. no I, you didn't. Uh, I didn't have anything running last year. Okay. Well, you got oh, that problem you go. taken care yeah. of this year. So Exactly. So it's gentlemansride.com. Yep. Uh, I'm there right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm a complete idiot. So by the end of this podcast, I'm going to show you guys how easy it how is easy to How easy it is to sign up. By, and while uh, he's signing up, I'm going to give you some basic details. So there are going to be some regulations. When you look at the site, you're going to see a lot of stuff talking about what kind of bike you're allowed to ride. And they're going to have about nine images there of what kind of bike you're, quote, allowed to ride. Ignore and, all of them. Yeah, well, every group that does it, every group that hosts it, will have their different level of intensity. Now, it is... It has become, in recent years, sponsored by the brand Triumph. They are one of the lead sponsors. So that doesn't mean you must be riding a Triumph to attend. And don't let anyone tell you that those are the rules because they are not. If somebody uh, tells you those are the rules, make another ride yeah, in that, in that yeah. city for non-Triumph riders. That's right. Or make one just for fun. Yep. Just make one for people that aren't going to be a dick about it. Mm -hmm. So, And we're not saying we hate Triumph because we certainly don't. We love them. But... Now that it has a corporate name attached with it, it's going to carry some baggage. Just like if Harley were to sponsor something or Kawasaki yeah. were to sponsor something, it would become baggage about it to everyone else. So yes, there is Triumph branding on a lot of the stuff you're going to see for this, but that's because they've decided to be a premier sponsor of the event. I assure you, especially not in our town, 
we are going to welcome anybody who wants to participate. If you want to register and show up and be a part of this and earn some money for two causes that are fantastic, then we want you here. If you don't happen to own, I mean, this is Cleveland, Ohio, you may not own three different motorcycles. You might have a bike, and your bike might be a Hayabusa. Yep. That being said, the guy that showed up to our rally two years ago in tuxedo and tails and top hat on a fucking Hayabusa, do you know what I think? He's living the life. That's pretty awesome. He's portraying the image of the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. Mm -hmm. And when I got to talk to him, First of all, he was one of the like nine black guys that showed up, which is fucking great. So we have an event that is open to everybody who wants to show up and not feel like they're excluded in any way. He's on a massive powered sport bike. Are you done? Yeah. You're done. Wow. You signed up. I signed That's up. That's how quick it was. Easy. On a phone. And there is there is a, a, a probably because of the Triumph involvement, not to interrupt, yeah. but they actually have a category of like their approved bikes. Right. Uh, that that specifically says modern classic, right? Which is uh, my ZRX would fit in that. Of course, it would. Yeah. It's styled like an early eighties. Absolutely, bike. it is. But yeah. anything's a modern classic if you want to well, play that card. It's, there are very few bikes these days, unless you're riding a Honda NM4. Look it up. That wouldn't be inspired by some sort of vintage motorcycle, yeah. right? Uh, the NM4 is a bike that legitimately is not inspired by a vintage motorcycle in any way, shape, or form, but. Anything else is going to be essentially a modern classic. You found it, didn't you? I found it. It's pretty it. hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's yeah. a well. Wait a minute. I see a little bit. It looks like the a, wheels are round. No, 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 no. No, the very front. It looks like a a Vetter Quicksilver fairing. I guess it does. So, yeah. Wait, Technically, is that the, it the does. Honda NM4. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Honda NM4. Look that up. That yeah, the, bitch that's is the not, that's kind of the Akira bike. Isn't that it? bike does not have one fucking molecule of retro in it. <laughs> didn't you? Uh, I'm proud of them for not having didn't any. Didn't you have us like? Have one up here for us to ride like a year or two ago. Oh, we had a CTX automatic with That's all the bags and CTX, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty modern, but it was not the NM4. So, with the with deal with DGR, it's look contact the person who runs it locally, and if you don't have somebody who runs it locally, step the fuck up. Mm -hmm. Step up, go out and do a ride. Do a ride you like to do. Put it into Google. Upload it to the thing. Yeah, map if, it out. If you're the ride leader, it's really easy to do. I managed to pull it off five years in a row here. Um, it's not hard to do. Get your people together, make them dress up, make them understand what the cause is all about, tell them to ride fast and take chances or be safe and don't, and go out and have a goddamn ride. And you, when you get done with it, what you're going to realize is the idea of all getting together, that's one thing. The idea of getting together and dressing up is fucking hilarious. Yeah. And it is hilarious, and we always have fun doing it. Some people will have themed costumes. Some people will just be dressed in goddamn beautiful costumes beautiful bespoke tailoring and mm -hmm. shit that they don't get to wear and they paid for it or goodwill suits goodwill does really good the weekend before dgr oh yeah our goodwills around here are picked the fuck over if it's if it's velvet and an offensive color <laughs> the dudes that showed up a couple of years ago in tuxedos circa 1972 one orange wow. one baby blue Oh baby! Did they Done. have matching bikes? No, but they were on uh, they were on Groms, oh, okay. so they okay. they get points for, for that. Yep. So that's the DGR. The DGR is a nation, not worldwide event that's all happening on the same day. Now, if you're a listener and you're going to be coming to our Cleveland DGR, there's a couple of things you need to know. First of all, our DGR, which usually happens at 11 a.m., nope. This year it's going to happen at 5 p.m. The reason for that is about four different reasons. One. That very weekend is the AIM Expo down in Columbus. 
and I need to have time to get back up here in time to do DGR. So do all the other people that will be at the AIM Expo yep. down in Columbus that very weekend. I'm going to uh, ask you, and I'm going to do it on the podcast yeah. so I can impose on you so yeah. you can't say no. Uh, for AIM Expo, I might ride the Z-Rex up yeah. and leave it here. That's fine. That's all right with you. That's fine. I mean, I've... If you're a you know if you're a friend of the show, we can get you AIM passes as a staff member of Cleveland Moto. That's the thing that we can do if you're going to be there. But honestly, they'll give them out to just about anybody who claims to be any affiliation with any shop whatsoever. They're not real stingy with it. That's not the kind of show it is. But we're going to be down there for the entire weekend. So us and for all the other people at the AIM Expo having the DGR the very next day or actually the day still it's running yeah. you know Sunday is still running so we're doing it 5 p.m. so that's why one of the many reasons plus we've had a lot of people over the years that have said that that 11 o'clock in the morning time slot on Sunday is kind of their family time yeah. and what they don't want to do is celebrate the dad by pulling dad out of the environment right so pulling dad out of the environment so he can go ride motorcycles with his friends isn't necessarily the best thing to do about you know family time so that's cool. I understand that. Makes sense. Cool. You know, yep. whether you mow lawn or go to church, whatever, it's up to you. Uh, we're doing it at 5 o'clock this year. So you'll get to the starting point at 4 p.m. Uh, register to find out what the starting point is. I think anybody who's listening to this podcast will know where it is, but you can figure that out on your own. The uh, And then 5 o'clock we launch. We go out for a ride. The ride's going to be a little shorter this year because, again, we got yelled at. Uh, it's going to be about 35 miles, but we're going to go through some. The ride's going to be different. So last year we did all the twisty roads. Yep. So last year we did every twisty road within about a 50 mile radius of Cleveland or as many as we could. And it was fucking twisty. Uh, this year we're going to be doing uh, Flats, Bratnall, down to Fairmount, mm -hmm. and then North Park because it's nice and twisty and it ties into Martin Luther King and maybe Sleepy Cinch can get carjacked again, yep. Uh, yep. motorcycle jacked again. Uh, I guess that happened to him last week. He wasn't here tonight to talk about it, but he did have two people in a shitty old van jumped out and tried to take his grim from him at gunpoint oh hey we're gonna have a lot of motorcycles they can't steal all of them well yeah right <laughs> no but we put the bait bike out first so okay, we put the bait bike out first which will be like a grom or yep, something yep. stealable and then when those guys stop the van and jump out with their pistols like 300 other bikers show up mm -hmm. in beautiful attire it takes a nation of millions of motorcycle thieves to hold us down. This is true. <laughs> this is absolutely fucking true. Just like moped army. Moped swarm army. Destroy. Mentality. Swarm yep. and destroy. Right. Uh, that, as far as we're concerned, DGR is one of my favorite events of the year. We have a blast. Um, the local Triumph dealer gets involved. They usually do our chase truck. They got a really big Sprinter van. And fortunately, we've only ever had to use it on the, you know, super minimal, right? Uh, by the time, you know, you get to September 29th, people's bikes run pretty good. So it's not too ha too hard to find good running machinery yeah. at that point. So. Yeah, that is a really good time of year to do it. Because if you it did it in April, it's like you're like a mess. You do it in September, it's like maybe I'll change <laughs> right. the oil. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll adjust the chain. I'll squirt some lube. Like it looks fine, but I'll squirt some lube right. on it yeah. so I feel better about it. Yeah. Is there a, a DGR challenge where you buy a bike on Friday and you have to... Ooh. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for AIM Expo, that would be, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the DGR challenge would be to be the person who signs up the latest but gets the most sponsorship. Oh, you know, yeah, people yeah. can sponsor you. Yep. Like the yeah, they make a link for your Facebook page and stuff. You like you can sponsor me in the DGR and commit like ten or twenty bucks right. to me. Like if you don't finish the DGR, they're not going to have to give the money. It's not like that kind of a deal. But yeah, there is a support element, of and it's it. tied in with Movember too, isn't it? It is. Right. So it's Movember. Yeah. It's yeah. It's Movember. It's 
prostate cancer research. It's uh, men's suicide pre so, prevention. Yeah, I'd like to point that out because yeah. there's a lot of people, I'm sure, that listen to Cleveland Moto. Like when none of my bikes ran, I still listened to the podcast. Of course, right, yep. yeah. Um, I just didn't have anything to ride to the podcast right. to record with you guys. Hell, maybe you could start November in September and not shave your stachiola yeah. all the way from September into now November and really grow that fucker out. I'll grow my disgusting mustache back again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Early guys, 70s law enforcement? Yeah. Yeah. You guys never saw that. That was awful. I did see your stash. You did. Okay. Yeah. You had aviators on too, which was extremely yeah. oh, I saw a photo of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So my Facebook profile picture is my auto week photo shoot. That was me in like a Jersey style t-shirt yeah. with the three buttons on it yeah. and the mustache and very seventies hair. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when the photographer came, um, I took one look at myself because yeah. I had shorts on that matched the sleeves of the shirt. And I said, <laughs> I need to go inside and put jeans on because I look like um, a gay icon right now. Uh, wow. I was going to say, Which, you look like the least sold Ken doll. Yeah, like <laughs> nothing wrong with that. I've but seen I don't those shorts want... They have the matching piping on the shorts yeah, that match I just, the shirt. I yeah. didn't want to be false advertising my first time in print. <laughs> wow. So I put jeans on and it was very warm. As the sexiest man in the Sears catalog. 1976. And I was, I was, and I was posing <laughs> with a 1988 Nissan Stanza wagon and Perfect. beige. Oh yeah, God. right beige. on, man. That is the right way to dress for the vehicle. Yeah, I've done it before in a kilt. I've done it before, in like you know, a, a German, uh, German, you know, period correct mm -hmm. uniform. I've, I've done all kinds of different stuff depending on what bike I'm going to be riding. Right. Really is what it so comes you're going to be riding the Z-Rex. Yeah, and yeah. I'm going to be wearing a three-piece tailored Zenia suit that I got See? when I sold three Infinities in one day when I worked at an Infinity ah, dealership. Perfect. Ah, that's the head of the dealer network. But I used to work at the Infinity dealership, like right over here. And if you yeah. sold three Infinities in one day, they got you a three-piece tailored Zenia suit. It was that specific day, and I told the last guy I was making a deal with, I said, just tell me what it's going to take right. for me to make this deal. And because I'll do it. I'm right. like, I'm wearing a Casio right now. Do exactly. you think I can afford a tailored no. suit? <laughs> I want one. All you have to do is buy a car. And that sold them the car. Awesome. Dude, that's great. That's using a I didn't, for all I didn't hate selling cars because yeah. I was selling luxury cars. So yeah. I was selling cars to people that could afford it. Of course. And I didn't feel bad about it. No, no, not at all. But, like, I don't think I would have felt as good selling, like... Like oh like oh you're a single mother who yeah. works at Red Robin you absolutely need a brand new Rav4 of course could yeah. not feel good about no, that no because yeah. you know that payment's gonna murder her, right? yeah yeah but yeah selling Infinities was fun yeah of course you nobody comes in there this. and doesn't actually want one yeah because yeah. right. nobody they knows show Infinity. up wanting one yeah if you know an Infinity exists dude we sell Moto Guzzi's and Vespas motherfuckers you show get up it, in the door right. they know how it works yeah. yeah nobody shows up going what's this Vespa I've heard about no no. <laughs> Fuck no, dude. People show up at the door and they know all the specs. So yeah, I just already. saw Roman Holiday on cable and yeah. there's this new thing. <laughs> all right, Phil. Yeah. You're probably going to decide what bike you ride the day of, but what are you leaning towards? I'm leaning towards that fucking Honda Dream I picked up at AMA Vintage. Okay. I was gonna that's a very good choice. You need yeah. to ride your Dream. Yeah. Well, I'm going yeah, to go to the Superhawk. Yeah, yeah. So the Superhawk. Yeah. I registered with that bike on the yeah. website. so it's Yeah, I did too. I registered with the yeah. Dream because I've ridden the Dream on the freeway a few times. Mm -hmm. It's fucking solid. Really? And, I mean, I've had it 75 miles an hour, and it's just Swiss watch, man. Just yep. going down the road. Um, I did order some new tires for it because I did check. Yeah. And those, the bike has the bike has 6,200 miles on it. Und so do the tires. Uh, <laughs> they are factory originals, by the way. Wow. So, so you're just probably going to keep those tires, though, right? No, no. No, I mean you're gonna put new tires on, but are you gonna keep the original tires? I when used you pull to do that. Off? I'm feeling a little less Camaro now. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were like. I thought you bought that bike specifically to resell. No, I mean really, 
I don't think having the original meat hanging off the handlebars and going like, well, check it out. Not only is this bike super original, which yeah. it clearly is. Are we here's talking the about the one that meat. had like the toolkit with it? Yeah. The one you bought from... Factory original toolkit, factory original owner's manual, everything. I'm just saying, like yeah. somebody might be interested in that specific bike. Yeah, but if you got... want some 1967 taking off wood tires, I guess, yeah. you know, whatever. I don't know. I'll I'll probably, if, unless if you, I was if like... If you sell that bike yeah. on Bring a Trailer, which yeah. that's exactly the kind of thing. Bring yeah. a Trailer's doing a lot more bikes lately. Yeah. They are. They yeah. would like just having that in the ad would be like, oh, I can with have original, original tires. I can tell you to put in the headline yeah. on yeah. my Harley Davidson uh, MT500, my mm-hmm. prototype bike. When I did take the factory uh, Dunlops off the bike that came on from the factory, they were just terrible. They yeah. were they were dried out. They were just old. They weren't safe to drive on. So when I put the Metzler Saharas on it, I did keep the original factory Dunlops mm-hmm. and just I have them, right? Just in case somebody wants. A military prototype, one of only five bikes ever built. They they can have the original fucking tires. When, when the Henry it. Ford Museum yeah, contacts calls, they you. need yep. that thing. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, those are chocolates, Renee. I heard you like chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. One of our customers brought those into the shop for Renee. That's nice. They're hers. She donated them to us. Those are from Mally's chocolates. Mm-hmm. Mally's chocolate covered strawberries. So. Yeah, are GGR's coming the... up. Everybody rock the GGR. Like I said, I'll probably be running the Red Honda Dream. Yep. I don't know what I'm going to wear yet. I would hope that it's going to be period correct and fantastic. Yeah. Or whatever, you know. So it's, it's yeah. cool. Last year seemed to be like the year of the Vespas. There's a lot of Moto Guzzi's too. Yeah, there's a lot of Guzzi's last yeah. year, a lot of Vespas last year. Yep. So that was a good, uh, a so good maybe, turn. Maybe yeah. this year is the year of the, the Honda 305. Right. It could be the, the <laughs> yeah, arrive on a 305. Yep. Yep. It could very well be. I would hope that there'd be a lot of CB750s because it's yep. the 50th anniversary yeah. of oh, CB750. Yep. That'd be a cool bike for people to show up on, mm-hmm. historically speaking. Well, you, know? you got to remember all of the cool people, quote unquote, yeah. cool people in Cleveland took CB750s three years ago That's and right. cut them up and put sk- you know skateboard decks with this cushioning on true. them to make them into yeah. cafe racers. And, and if any of sitting group- in their loft apartments, not running. <laughs> It's a little close to home. I, that's that's when I knew I was like <laughs> a, that's when I knew I was like getting specific. old is like when I like would just see like cafeed out seventies UJMs like right. about eight months ago oh, yeah. I started seeing those on Craigslist and going oh you ruined it ah, I'm, I'm like old. oh I'm old I'm old <laughs> um, to our crew like anybody in our group needs it I would think that that new Lambretta uh, I'm sorry Scambretta I mean Royal Alloy yeah. would be a fantastic candidate for the DGR it looks. Like a million bucks. Yeah. It's certainly retro. Nick, what'd you think of it when you wrote it? I really liked it. I did not like how tall it is. Uh, I didn't like the horn button placement because every time I tried to use the turn signal, I would honk the horn. Um, and I feel like the the dead band between you first getting on the throttle and it actually engaging. The stall of the clutch is high. Yes. So yes. rather than a lot of bikes, the stall will occur at about 2,000 RPM Mm -hmm. on a lot of automatic scooters, you'll get a, it's all really the springs in the clutch. Right. You know, you can tune that. Mm -hmm. But it does feel like the stall on this is like 3,800 RPM or something. The stall feels real high. And when we had it at the Buffalo Rally, we let a lot of people ride it who ride other scooters. And they jumped on it and they would all use the same thing. They'd crack it and they'd crack it a little like it would normally, a bike would normally engage. And they'd be like, what's uh, what's up? That's that's what and I was I'm doing. Like, no, you really got to crack it. Like yeah. you got to really, really stroke it. And so, once yeah. you're once you're already underway, like when you're feeding throttle back into yeah. it, when yeah. you're going like around a corner, really nice throttle response. But yeah, that initial, just yeah. change the change the roller weights or change. The I springs think that or... you could change the springs in yeah. the yeah. clutch that, to 
maybe have it hit a little earlier because you can absolutely, that's the thing about CVTs is you can change the way this motorcycle hits. Mm -hmm. uh, you By changing the clutch shoes itself, changing the springs in the clutch shoes, and then also changing variator weights, you can do all kinds of really amazing tuning with CVT transmissions. That really is unheard of in the regular motorcycle right. world, right? Uh, so it is fun. You can really get fine-tuned with uh, an automatic with CVT. Right, because I was I was sitting out in the parking lot. And I was like, is something not right? Right. Do I, I I've ridden an automatic scooter right. before. What's, Normally they're nothing, going by nothing's now. happening. Yeah, right. Normally <laughs> the, they're going by now. The handlebars being so narrow, uh -huh. um, it took a little bit of getting used to. But like low speed cornering, mm -hmm. um, or like just kind of navigating around yeah. potholes and stuff. Great little city bike. Yeah. Oh, really yeah. great city bike. I was impressed with the fit and finish on it too. Like yep, the yeah. switch gear and stuff. Everything feels really, really nice. And the brakes are fantastic. I was gonna say yeah. the brakes. I about flipped myself over the handlebars <laughs> the first time. <laughs> I was like, I'm just now getting to the point where I'm okay with my Vespa's brakes. Yeah. I really didn't like them at first, and now I'm like, no, they're adequate. They're fine. Yeah, I don't need fine. to change anything. Yeah, I run them all the time. Um, sidebar: yeah. uh, Is it true that the large frames use a stainless braided line from the factory yes. up front? That's absolutely. And true. it's completely. I can put that back over on the, the small yeah, frame too, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. I might have you order yeah, one of those for me. Yeah, no, no problem at all. I need all. to flush my fluid. Anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the no brakes. That's, that's freaking true. amazing. The brakes are great. Zero time to warm up. No, the brakes work. The brakes now, work really I, what good. I so will linked, say, and I will say, I have to tell people, it is a linked braking system. So when you apply a handful of front, the rear's getting sunk. And when you apply a handful of rear, the front's getting sunk. So it's yep. about, it feels like a 70-30 split. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it was pretty nice. I liked it. And like I said, the fit and finish is super nice. It like, looks I, fantastic. It does. It looks great, um, especially from the back. Like the rear three-quarter view, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a real sexy-looking little bike. Um, this is why I love having you guys talk about this because I had the exact same conversation with a bunch of people who are truly dyed-in-the-wool scooter fanatics yep. at the Buffalo Rally where everybody at the event is a you-cut-them-they-bleed-two-stroke people. I yep. mean, these are people who all of them work on their own bikes. They all do their own wrenching. They do their own paint and body work. And, like, these are all the, the purists. And when you hear them talking about it, you know, they yeah, they comment the brakes are fucking fantastic. The suspension's really good. Yep. Um, they like a lot of things about it, but the aesthetic, like, yes, in my opinion, I think that the front of the bike is very handsome. The front of the bike is excellent, but where I can tell the difference is when I look at the rear, like you said, the rear three-quarter. The rear three-quarter to me looks, we joked, we were like, it's it's not a Lambretta, but it might have just eaten a Lambretta. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. From it's the, a little bulbous at the back. That front fender right. is, is like, from the front end, it looks... Yeah. Like Land Brand, but from the rear end, it's its own thing. It might be, yeah. It might be but its it, own animal it, in, the, in the back door. I like yeah. that about it, though. Yeah. I like that it's not completely aping something because, like, it's got larger wheels. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's oh, never yeah. going to look exactly like you, you could yeah. never build a bike and sell it these days that look exactly like we the had Land measuring tapes, we had all kinds of tools out looking at that bike and trying to take two inches out of its stance, yeah, trying to think about how we would lower the bike. Two, in two inches to make it more resemble a vintage Lambretta. Because if that bike sat two inches lower to the ground, it would sell itself as a vintage Lambretta far better than it does now. Right. And really, you would give up one of the greatest benefits of the bike, which is the amazing suspension and the 12-inch wheels. 
So That's true. You that, give up two things that are super important to the bike. Yeah. So who who actually makes Royal Alloy? They're made by a company called Hanway, a Chinese company. Okay. So it's a company that manufactures a lot of different things. So where like yeah. for me, like where like a lot of the Chinese and like uh, the the nicer Chinese bikes and yeah. the Taiwanese bikes and the bikes that are made in Thailand and stuff, where a lot right. of those bikes fall apart for me yeah. is the digital dashboard. Yes. The yeah. digital readout just looks like looks like shit. Looks like shit. Yeah. This one has a really nice, really high end looking. It does look good. Dash. The fucking key looks good. Oh, I was about oh, to yeah. say the key yep. is awesome. Right. The attention to detail of that's like if I the what, key. what does I would a Royal Alloy that cost? From a '90s Toyota or Nissan. Yep. That's I mean like a Japanese market '90s Toyota right. or Nissan. That's we didn't get saying. anything this nice no, in the we US. Didn't. But I can tell you that the key in my Figaro is similar to that. My key that was in my Honda Beat from the factory looks similar to that. This feels like a premium product. This feels like it was put together. Like details like the key. It's a key. But it's it a key. feels good. Details good. like this make yeah. you feel like you bought something that was right. built by people that gave a damn. I totally agree. And that's yeah. the difference. Yeah. And details like that, details like the dash. I mean, right. the mirrors are great. Yeah. Another another the issue. The mirrors are great. Another issue with Aside the, the, the cheaper bikes is that the mirrors are great. You know what though? I, okay, so I said that those are stock uh, Harley Davidson Iron oh, Twelve Hundred. They're the same mirrors. as those, but those are chrome. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I said Iron Twelve Hundred because they're oh, black, no, right? No, they are Harley Davidson. Yeah, they're mirrors. Har- I swear to God, where, whatever catalog when they built that bike. Whatever supplier's catalog, they looked at and grabbed that mirror. I know it's the same you can fucking say mirror that's on whatever you want to yeah. about it being unfortunate that they look like Harley mirrors or whatever. No, I mean, I'm changing great. every detail yeah. on my Sportster. <laughs> yeah. And the mirrors that I Are picked staying. to go along. No, I mean, I didn't. I got some really tacky billet oh, mirrors okay. that I sold right. and used that money that yeah. I got selling the billet mirrors used to right. buy brand new stock, stock mirrors. <laughs> Sportster mirrors. No, those because mirrors are fine. They look good. They They're painted like a nice... them in a tasteful color of invisible black. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, they work. Yeah. What's What's great about that They're style plastic. of mirror? What's that? They're, They're plastic. plastic. Are they really? Yeah. Ooh. Well, I thought they were. Another thing that made me think because everything Harley else mirrors. on that fucking bike is metal. Yep. What it made me it. What yeah. made me think it was a Harley mirror is yeah. that uh, when the bike's idling or when you're underway, yeah. they don't vibrate. You yeah, can actually still see stable. out of them. Yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing Harley does really well with yeah. mirrors is because their bikes vibrate like, especially old sportsters vibrate like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, you can at least see where you're going. Yeah, but, I mean, this is it. I mean, I know kind of it's weird in this podcast that sort of every week in some way or, you know, we end up mentioning the Royal Alloy. Right. But it is new, but you guys have both got to ride it today yeah. for the first time. So, uh, again, this is a thing that it's like it's not a product we're going out of our way to endorse. We're not. I mean, it, we have them here at the shop. We have two of them. We ordered two. I wanted to have the two colors I liked. The dark gray one I didn't care for, so I didn't order it. But I thought that the, these two colors, the vintage blue and the ivory, were good-looking colors. What color seat comes on the dark gray one? Is it the, red, I have no idea. the reddish seat? I would guess. Yeah, that reddish seat. But I, mean, I, I don't know one. off the top of my head. But, you know, this, just so everybody understands, we have not sold one of these yet. Not a single one. And... Whether or not we sell any of these is not going to change my company. This is a vanity project. This is something that is purely fun to have. It's great if people come in and love it and they buy it. That's cool too. Um, it is not our bread and butter. It's something that genuine went to the trouble of bringing into the United States that has been fucking hard contested and fought of. I mean, we've been talking about a new Lambretta for 30 fucking years. Somebody finally did it. Now there's a couple of companies that have all done it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Two or three companies at the same time doing the same thing. This is the first one we're getting our hands on. This is it. Is there storage under the seat? Nope. Gas tank. 
That's, that's the, the way it should be. So, the well, exactly. That's, that's, that's the, the thing, though. Compared to like, because what is what is, uh, what does that cost out the door? It's thirty five hundred bucks. Okay, plus, so plus plus plus. Yeah, right. that's not bad though. No, I mean, it's not because like, no. what is an LX one fifty out the door, brand new? Five for the pre, is it the Primavera now? Yeah, yeah fifty five grand plus plus plus. One fifty is not made in China. Right, that's an it's not, point. and you've got storage. Right, right. I like that's the suction cups. Again. The suction cups are pretty interesting. If the, you like uh, tentacle porn, you like that seat. Yeah. The, the, store, the lack of storage yeah. is kind of, I don't want to say, it, it wouldn't be a deal breaker for me, no. but it would be a consideration if I was the considering box, that or a used Vespa. It gives you more storage than any Lambretta ever had from the factory. Right. Yep. It does, right? So it's giving you more storage than the bike it's based on. Now, yes, Vespas now, these days, in the past you know 30 years, uh, well, not 30 years, but since 1998 or so, Vespas have had an underseat storage area that accommodates in a helmet right. since they've been automatic. Mm -hmm. And that's different than the original Vespas, which gave you a literal little glove box, which would hold a quart of oil, a pack of smokes, and your oil mixing cup. And that's about it, you know, unless it was a Bajaj, in which case it hold two gallons of milk and a loaf of bread. But the Bajajes were different. So I, I wanted to ask you this. Yeah. Is the, um, the Genuine Stella, is that a Bajaj? No, it's an LML. So that's two different companies. Both uh, both of those companies, Bajaj and LML, were both blessed with the Piaggio right to manufacture. They were both licensees of Piaggio's products. And so Bajaj came into the game first, getting licensed to manufacture a lot of bikes that were using the old 60s frame from Vespa. Mm. When Vespa was done with that tooling, it got shipped off to India. And then LML later in the game, in the later 70s, uh, well, in the 80s, LML picked up the old tooling from the 70s Vespas, the P-Series Vespas. Yeah. So that's why the Stellas look one way and the Bajajas look another way. Okay. So they're just getting later tooling. And the LML and Bajaj are not the same company. They were competitors. And it was just a matter of, well, Bajaj got the contract first and LML got the contract later. Now, LML, I think Bajaj is still in the game. I'm pretty sure LML is totally gone. Uh, as a company, I believe I could be wrong. So that's why there's no more Stellas. No, there's no Stellas, and Stella did also it kind of thinned itself out. So when the Stella was originally a two-stroke and it was new and it was fresh, it was very robust because they didn't add a lot of bullshit to it. It was a proven LML Star 150 that worked in its home country, and they didn't change a lot of it to get it to America. Then, as time moved forward, the Stella started having more and more features. Now. That ad that started with some lighting changes and some dummy lights and things like that, and uh, then there was a point where the factory workers didn't really want to go to work anymore, and so they didn't want to build American bikes anymore because imagine if you built the same bike every day for 360 days out of the year, but then four days out of the year you had to build these American ones that had totally different wiring harness, mm. totally different everything. You wouldn't want to go to work no. that day. Yeah, I would find an excuse. Exactly. I would get sick that day every <laughs> every year. Every year. Right. <laughs> right. Every that week of work, you would make sure that you weren't yep. there because the American bikes took you out of your normal frame of comfort, your comfort zone, to build these bikes specially for the American market. That happens a lot, by the way. If you're a person that loves uh, foreign vehicles, and you love having foreign vehicles, and and, ha and being in the United States. Uh, the Alfa Romeos that were sold in Italy were not as bad as the Alfa Romeos we had here because the Alfa Romeos we had here had their electronic systems changed to match DOT standards. So when the key was on, the lights were on, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so the wiring harnesses in the European cars tended to be better, more robust, and would hold up better than the shit we got here. Yeah, it's like if you build, if you build 15,000 of something, right. 
Exactly. You're going to be a lot better at it than this, the person that builds something similar that they only make 1500 of. Yep. Well, imagine if you built 15,000 of them, and then all of a sudden you have to change the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have to change the line just to build 1,000 cars. Yeah. My 124 Spider has yeah. tall springs right. for U.S. spec. It's on stilts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of things like that. Mm -hmm. So bumpers, glass, windows, everything. When you get to a factory and you see the way a factory builds a vehicle and how much they have to change that vehicle just for the stupid American rules, which in my opinion, they should all be the same. We are a global economy. Yep. The German car and the American car should both be approved in both places. There should be no difference between a German Mercedes and an American export Mercedes. Mm -hmm. They should be the same. Yeah, well the whole year the whole reason we have the twenty five year rule is yes. because Mercedes Benz's US dealer network was pissed off that people were gray market importing the cars from Germany because they were cheaper and faster. Right. Well, all of these things, if the manufacturer could stick to one build, everything would be more affordable, yeah. parts would be a lot easier to get, and you could continue to have a manufacturer like Fiat or Alfa Romeo or anybody in the United States continuously not have to leave. Piaggio wouldn't have had to leave in 1983 if their bikes that came to America weren't so much more expensive to build due to EPA restrictions than the ones they sold at home. And that's the same with almost every import that we've ever seen is this silly set of rules that we have that are different in our country. Like how much safer really is an American Mercedes than a German Mercedes? Is right. it really? Or yeah. do the Germans kind of have it figured out? Now, there will always be cars that are like, well, this is for India market only. This is for China market only. This is for Mexico market only. They're not going to leave the market. Yeah, but those cars we are don't typically produced to. locally. Too. And they're produced for a local market. So they're built, they're a down market car. Well, they're built in right. that. What I'm saying is they're Absolutely. built in that market. Right. So. Of course. There, it's, a low, it's a home market car or home market motorcycle. Mm -hmm. So for us, when we have a vehicle that, why do, you know, it sucks that they got a great bike. Well, when are we going to get it? Oh, it's going to be uh, a year for it to go through EPA because we have to put so many miles on the bike yep. and, and do all the EPA testing. And then DOT, we got to have somebody that's willing to lie on a piece of paper about the DOT fitness of all these different components on here. And we got to change the factory to scale to build this vehicle. The, the Honda RC30, they made it for three years. First year was Japan only. Yep. Second year was Europe only. Right. Third year was America only. Right. Because rules. Huh. Because of rules and because they they didn't make enough of those bikes to justify right. it's a selling them in all three right. yeah, to right. sell right. them in all three markets. Right. Yeah, for homologation you have to sell this many, it doesn't matter where. So right. so the so first year the factory year. was set up for Asia, the second year it was set up right. for Europe and then the, okay. I so see. they could make a line wide change. Yep. And they could make a line-wide change. They could produce the bikes, and they're going to that market. Yeah, for bikes they made, right. you know, in the grand scheme of things, for, none of. Right. For a race right. bike. Right. Yeah. For yeah. a race bike. Yeah. Absolutely for a race bike. And mm -hmm. you right. you said you've had your hands on an RC30, a U.S. market RC30. Yes, and, like, the way they changed, like, you used to be yeah. able to turn the headlight off, yep. and they just broke the switch off? They broke the switch off. Oh it's they literally They put a sticker on top off. of the right. speedometer. Wow. Yep. Yeah. That just comes. So you just have this mush because it's you're looking at... Yeah. The uh, miles per hour layered over yep. top of kilometers exactly. per hour, so it's just meaningless information. It is the world's laziest conversion. Wow. Like everything about the bike, everything on it that you could tell, because I've owned JDM motorcycles mm -hmm. that are from the same era, everything on it is just like the speed light for the Japanese market. If it goes over 100 kilometers per hour, mm -hmm. there's a red light on the dashboard and usually an auditory signal that, that comes on to let you know you're speeding. And of course, the speed light was still on the display. It was just unplugged. 
Yeah. So they wow. had just reached up behind it and pulled the wire out of the speed light. Because I know, uh, like, CB500s yeah. had the speed light on the triple tree clamp nut on the top yeah. there, and it had, like, a little flat spot on the triple tree clamp that had, like, a little label that right. said speed light speed. or something like yeah. that. Right. And on the U.S. market bikes, it still has that flat The on flat's it, still there. But there's no stickers. But there's nothing there. to yeah. it, yeah. yeah. The flat spot is still on the bike. Uh, it is purely a speed light. Mm -hmm. And there have been other ones where uh, somebody was saying, they saw a bracket, and they saw the bracket. They said, I had that bike, too. It had the same bracket on it. And it also, the, the bracket was empty, and I bought it from the original owner. Don't think he took anything off of it. Right. It wasn't for an accessory tachometer or something else. What the fuck was it for? It was probably for a speed light. Yeah. yeah. If, it, if the bike was fast enough to go over 100 kilometers per hour, it was probably speed light. And that was something that Home Market had a speed light. We didn't have a light. But there's many, many changes between all yeah. these vehicles. I'm sure there's a Japanese yeah. podcast where they're talking about American market cars that have made it over there that yes. have this really weird notch yes. right around 65 or 80 kilometers. I'm trying to remember, <laughs> yeah, 80 kilometers right. per hour? About 80 kilometers about, per yeah. hour, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. What's that notch for? Right. Why is that there? Yeah, yeah. Right. 55? Yeah, 55, yeah. right, yeah. And, of course, all the American bikes that we had for how many years that had 85-mile-an-hour speedometers? I owned how many motorcycles that could clearly go 130 miles an hour, yeah. but they had an 85-mile-an-hour clock on it. Yeah, that's, there was that's rule. one retro detail that I'm yeah. really glad Kawasaki didn't quote unquote get right when they made the CRX. <laughs> I'm really We're glad so they didn't. We're so retro, we put an 85 oh, mile an hour speedometer <laughs> on it. Oh, fuck you very much. Yeah, it is, and it is a funny thing. I mean, that's part of being a consumer. And you'd think, yeah, we are a world audience, right? We should be a world audience, but we're not. We're not. That's when you know that we're not. And people still keep the tags on their mattresses because people are stupid, you know, but... So, that's like a thing. So I've been playing, uh, I've been streaming on Twitch. Yep. Um, playing Ride 3. Okay. Uh, which is the motorcycle racing game, the super okay. realistic motorcycle racing game. And uh, I'll get people from Europe that will tune in to watch me race. Ah, okay. And they'll type in the chat. Right. And I'm wearing my headset. So right. between races on menus and stuff. And they're I'll like, where's your questions. speed light? Well, no. They'll ask, <laughs> they'll, they'll talk about like motorcycling in America versus in Europe and kind of... I get a big kick out of explaining that you can go get a temporary permit, oh. Oh. go yeah. to the dealership, right. buy a Kawasaki H2, oh, yeah. Yeah. and then ride from that dealership to your, and if you make it home, <laughs> and you're allowed to do that. Right. And that's fucking mind-blowing oh, because of tiered like, licensing and everywhere else. It is hilarious. We had somebody the other day, the guy came in here, and he's on his temps, and he's a nice fellow, and we want to help him out, and he's great. And the guy's on his temps, and he wants to take the Gritzo out for a test ride. Oh. And I'm like, buddy, I just can't do it. But then I looked at his watch, and I looked at his shoes, and I said, you do understand, when you sign this document, if you damage this bike in any way, you own it. He said, yeah, I totally understand that. I said, okay. I think we might have just sold a Gritzo, you know? <laughs> because at some point, you do weigh that as a dealer. Right. You're like, well, the guy wants to take a demo ride, but he's got a fucking temporary. Now, it turns out, super respectful guy, great, you know, a good rider, went out, knew what he was doing, has owned other motorcycles before, but just happens to be on temporary right now. Yeah, I know, I know plenty yeah. of people that, like, that was, I didn't, I thought when I was in my early 20s that getting a motorcycle license was, yeah. like, impossible to do. Yeah. Because so many of my friends just kept renewing their temps over and over again. Yeah. yeah. 
So I think my dad renewed his temps until the day he died. I think he returned. I think he renewed his temps like twenty five times. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's what my dad does. He yeah. just renews his temps. Yeah. It's just one of those weird things, and it's like it is the funny thing because then when you see the test, you're like, oh come on, sixty percent right. pass fail. Get that. Come on, this is crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it is true. We had Oscar sit here, and he read he read some of the questions to us, and some of them are tricky as fuck. But you got to stop thinking about it. Yeah. They're all really it's really common kind of denominator. Yeah. They're really really bad questions. So anybody got anything else? No. Ah, nice, tight, right, under two hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, ride fast, take chances. Can I press both buttons at the same time? I don't know. It's hard to hit both buttons at the same time.